chambers of the podcast dungeon, you have come across another goddamn horror podcast with Graham Faye, Jonas Barnes, and Ryan Danley. Welcome, everybody, to yet another goddamn horror podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Ryan Danley, coming to you from a sunny, nice uh, Portland, Oregon day. Back uh, to singing the opening. I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a singer at heart. Actually, not. I love I, it. But I, I, I have actually sang in such bands, so I guess I'm a singer. Um, it didn't sound like that. Weren't they, yeah, yeah, weren't they slam hardcore bands? Yeah, they're like grindcore and shit like that. So it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, any, it wasn't anything like sweet. There was very little melody, but you know, you know you're know, a crooner. I'm a crooner. I'm a crooner by heart. You know, I got a, yeah. you know, I got a rough exterior, but I'm a, a Michael Bublé on the inside. Um, <laughs> Jonas, how is uh, how is um, the part of Brooklyn that you live in? <laughs> the part of Brooklyn I live in, Bushwick is uh, <laughs> Bushwick's doing good, man. Um, you know we uh, we're doing good uh, weather wise. Yeah, you know it's it's the same shit as over in Portland. But br- like, there's actually been a lot of crazy shit happening in my neighborhood, like over the course of the last couple of days. And I think I think we're about to get gentrified. Like, I think somebody made an announcement, like one of the one of the politicians in New York made an announcement that totally made us all go, ah, fuck, there goes our neighborhood. We're, we're done. <laughs> it's just going to be. Are you getting like a like a vegan record store? Or something yeah, like it's going to be it's going to be East Williamsburg. And it's just like, God damn it. All right. We had we had a good run. We, we had, had a good, good run. <laughs> yeah. Bushwick, you know. I'd like to bring old Bushwick Bill out just to see how. how <laughs> look, look what they did to your boy. His take on it. <laughs> he's from but, Texas. No, he's from Bushwick originally, oh, but, he? but he, but he, but he, okay. but he moved to. Uh, I mean, I think that dude couldn't be held down by conventional like neighborhoods, you know. Right. I mean, Bushwick, yeah, Bushwick Bill is. Um, how's the other part of Brooklyn, Graham, and Flatbush? Uh, I don't know. It's full of fucking pollen. I, I I got so uh, we were supposed to be doing this episode this weekend, but uh, uh, and I had today off, but I can't remember why. So I might get in trouble tomorrow. Um, I had like taken today off, but uh, yeah, I uh, the the allergies are crushing me, and I take care of kids. I so I think kids colds plus allergies is just. Poor Graham, you got gang banged yeah. by <laughs> allergens <laughs> this weekend. Just the worst. Yeah, you, you were sick. You were like, I'm sorry, I'm so useless. And I'm like, we wouldn't have brought you on. Just, you know, I mean, like, uh, yeah, like, here's here's Graham dead. Um, right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, and as far as feeling in trouble, like, um, I constantly feel like I'm in trouble and, and until I found out it was generalized anxiety disorder. Anyways, Graham, <laughs> do you want to uh, enter or yes. introduce, introduce our um, I would love to guest? Well, I've talked about uh, before on the show how I uh, recently saw the Panic Fest, the Virtual Panic Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, which is one of my favorites. And uh, and this year, 
Um, you're always I busting out a fucking festival, by the way. I love, I love like, those. You're always things. like, I'm well, doing this, and I'm like watching this. Well, I'm like, dude, the virtual ones are so great because I don't have to go anywhere. Like being a theater, like I just like I got days to watch. I can pause it. It's pretty fucking amazing. No, I love it, and, and I agree. We should we should have a thing of like upcoming film fests on here or something like that. Wi- yeah, like, me too. We should yeah, do, no, we should do I that. I mean, not to like not to like sidetrack too much from the introduction, but like it because these are really cool, and we end up with guests like that we have today and stuff like and, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of where horror like it's horror it's, fan horror movies you know what I it's mean? honestly like, one of my favorite things like right. watching these festivals and then reaching out to the the people that are involved is seriously when i get the most excited that and the danzigs and, and, if, I, and if, <laughs> yeah. if i don't and if i don't hear from you i'm just not gonna hear like i finally just caught up on succession and i like pat myself on the back for that so anyway so anyway so yeah i saw this movie uh the bigfoot trap and i fucking loved it and um, I reached out to the director, Aaron Mirtez. Is that right? Did I say it right? Aaron Close Mirtes? enough. Mirtis. Right. <laughs> you know what's funny? I learned that my name was pronounced more like that when my family came over. So I'm like, hey, you know, you just you just got the European way down. Yeah. All right, yeah. Graham is very European. Graham Graham has been Graham Faye and Graham Fahey multiple times. Fahey, I think, comes up all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I just go by Cracker. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Aaron, thank you so much for for finally coming on to the show. Um, I'm happy to be here. And we're really excited. Yeah. So um, if you could tell us a little bit uh, just about the movie, just like a real quick synopsis for our, our listeners. Yeah. So. Short and sweet, a journalist is locked inside of a Bigfoot trap by a crazed Sasquatch hunter with a sort of uh, ultimatum like, yeah, we, we got to find Bigfoot. It takes a lot of twists and turns that a lot of people aren't expecting. And what has been a big surprise to me is a lot of people walk in expecting a comedy, um, which I didn't expect. But, with you know, I, I've wanted a good Bigfoot movie for so long. And there are good Bigfoot movies out there. And I just I wanted to contribute my piece by making something full of twists and turns and delivering what only a Bigfoot movie could while throwing a few curveballs if I was able to. Um, so, you know, my love of thrillers mixed with my love of Bigfoot and love of horror movies made the Bigfoot trap. We love it. Um, That's now, so cool. Now, so the only real bone I have to pick with it is that I have a Pacific, <laughs> I have a Pacific Northwestern. You and are, it's actually, and it's actually mentioned within the bounds of uh, in the in the movie that uh, yeah, they, they are everywhere. I am, though, of course, a um, when I think of a Bigfoot, I think of the Pacific Northwest. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but I like the I like the the, the breakthrough uh, from it because you yourself live in Nashville, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, supposedly there's Bigfoot there too. Yeah, well, you know, it worked better for our story because my uh, my partner is from Oregon, right? And she, her whole family's Oregon. She was born and raised Oregon. And the Bigfoot, we based our movie on a real Bigfoot trap that's in Rogue River, Oregon, like right in the <laughs> uh, right on the border of California, Oregon. And that mm-hmm. thing has been there for like fifty years. It's the most money anyone has ever put into trying to catch Bigfoot, other than. Uh, something that one guy made called the Bigfoot Capture Van, which is a whole system of cameras to try and mm. catch Bigfoot. But there was a real wildlife organization in Oregon putting in animal carcasses every week into this Bigfoot trap, catching <laughs> bears and deer and shit over and over and over. <laughs> and after eight years, they were like, I think we're going to have to retire the trap. But 
it's like a mile into the woods. And so they just left it there. And to this day, you can go see it. I will, um, and, and, and Jonas can speak to this too, because he lived in the Pacific Northwest for a while. I would say that I did not want to trap anything cruising around uh, Northern California, nope. Southern Oregon. <laughs> um, the likelihood of Bigfoot is uh, muted. Uh, like uh, The more likely thing that you're going to catch in there is like a cartel member. Or a meth head, and um, and because that's that's just that area, um, um, so um, so yeah, I don't know, I would want to not trap any, do you know what I mean? Even if I I wouldn't want to trap anything, we all got actual bears up there, like the bears in Tennessee are even smaller, like you guys got real bears, real real like homeless people, you got the whole thing, we got Mm -hmm. every every bad thing you can think of, um, we have serial killers, serial killers, serial killers. um, you would probably <laughs> catch a serial killer. Um, you know what I mean? It's specific <laughs> Northwest. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's if you ever go to Washington State, um, you will think you were going to see a Bigfoot when you're in the woods, and you will uh, feel odd if you're not a serial killer. Like you'll be like, yeah, you know what? Being a serial killer here kind of makes some sense. Um, it just, it's just, like, there's it's a lot just, of woods there, man. And, and it's just the vibe, right? It's the yeah, like, yeah. It's just it. a serial killer vibe. Up it's there. a serial killer. It very much is. But you know what I mean? And like. Uh, but like you know, Harry and the Hendersons took place, uh, which I would consider like what maybe the best. That's the, the best. That's the best. Yeah, um, that's the best. That's always the best in my mind. You know, if we got Rick, ba- Rick Baker on the show, I just talk to him about Harry. And the you know what I mean? Just oh like my God. Dude, <laughs> you know, just I if screw screw. Like I love American Werewolf in London the movie, but I would just talk about like making that fucking rat ass Bigfoot because like he yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, he did. Is that yeah he did? We should we should uh well we'll get to that actually I want to do that but um. Uh, uh so so go back before a little bit how did sure. you get to making this movie like do, yeah were you have you made movies before what's your deal like yeah so this is my eighth <laughs> movie and uh i've been making movies for a long long time it's all i've ever wanted to do kind of hell or high water it was like i'm gonna direct movies and i'm gonna direct movies for a living you know that was always my my thing and i stuck to my guns and i've gone broke a lot of times and over the years, I've I've managed to sort of crack that code by directing a lot of micro budget movies. And when you know, I directed my first one at nineteen, which was called Clowntergeist, which got mm. some viral <laughs> attention a little bit. We were in some publications, um, but uh, that whole thing happened. And then I had you know seven other movies. Some of them were mockbusters, ripping off other popular properties, and some of them were you know, original things. And really what it all was, was a way to practice on someone else's money, you know, cause I'm not rich. I don't have rich family. It's like, I got to find a, a real way to practice filmmaking because that's the only way I'm going to get better. And right after my first movie, it was funny. I thought, God, this is so difficult. And there's so many moving parts and there's so many different crew members. How could I strip this down to be as simple as possible and make something that I couldn't possibly fuck up? And I came up with the early idea for the Bigfoot trap, except it was about UFOs at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you, UFOs were too plausible, right? Like when you hear people talk about UFOs, it's either like distinguished scientists or coked out rednecks. It was like there, <laughs> I needed something that was equally something that was kind of plausible, but also mostly laughable, like Bigfoot, where there's enough evidence to make you go, wow, when you really look into it. But from an outsider's point of view, it's like, well, that's crazy something that's kind of suited the story better. Um, and I found that Bigfoot trap up in Oregon um, and that kicked it all off. And so I was on movie number seven 
And uh, I was working for a studio full time and making movies for them on salary, which was a gig that I never thought I'd, you know, I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't either until just now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it is. I think I stumbled into something, honestly, like a small studio trying trying something new. It lasted a year. I made uh, a Squid Game knockoff for them called the Octa Games. And then the boss got sick and he's like, hey, we really don't know where production financing is going. Uh, So we might have to let you go for now until I get better. He was like deathbed sick thankfully he's fine and we're doing another project together next year but but you know at the time it was like we don't know what we're going to do next and so while i was in that limbo still on salary i wrote this movie because it's something i'd had in my head forever and then i got the boot and so then i just said like okay well let's go around town and see who's financing you know and i was ready to make a mockbuster i was ready to sell myself hardcore just to keep making these movies, keep practicing. And there was one studio, Glasshouse Distribution, where they said, ah, you know, we're looking for something a little different, a little left field. I said, well, I've got this script. And he read it. And next thing I knew, I was out in the in the wilderness making this movie that I wanted to make for so long. And it was the first movie where I got to play by my rules, more or less. Um, and I felt like I had enough experience doing everything myself where I wasn't going to fuck it up too badly. And it's the first movie where it's the first movie I put in festivals. Cause it's the first movie I'm like truly proud and not embarrassed to show people. Right. It's sure. like, I love having my movies on Tubi roulette, you know, like we were talking about before the show. I love having my movies out there and I'm proud of all my movies, but you know, when you're doing everything yourself and you're doing everything for dirt cheap, you're going to fuck up a lot. And it, it takes a lot of practice and it's taken about 10 years, but you know, I feel like I pulled the Bigfoot trap off pretty decently. And the movie I just, in fact, I'm in the process of finishing my follow-up movie. Um, and that came out pretty well too. So I feel like I'm finally finding my footing here. Um, so that's kind of, that's where it came from. And I, that's and awesome. I, and I really liked it. And like, I think you gave yourself a really good, uh, you know, because Bigfoot Trap doesn't have a lot of characters. You know, it has a, yeah. it has like a, like the main focus is on, and the acting is really good, and everybody just shows Thanks. up and uh, it gives a hundred percent. And um, you know, you could t- you could tell just in the smaller productions, there's a lot of buy in from the from the people that are in the film. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nobody was uh, skating in that. It was uh, it was it was funny. Um, yeah. And uh, so I don't know. It was a it was a cool. Uh, it's cool to see that and um, you know and to uh and like you know as horror fans and like the to be real like like it's great because i feel like we're kind of like almost like like back to like the like post blockbuster era blockbuster video era like of you know because blockbuster killed almost like independent like you know what i mean like horror and stuff like that everything yeah. needed to be fit into this like thing for them because they're you know or, like i someday i would do a whole entire like um uh, podcast separate podcast on how blockbuster helped destroy america um um yeah. um <laughs> Because I really do believe that, but um, you know, so it's so it's really nice to see like filmmakers because we because we interview a bit of uh, independent filmmakers. So I'm always really appreciative, really appreciative to the people who are like, you know what, we're just gonna do this, and it's just gonna be like, and we're just gonna, you know, I mean, 
we we interviewed Brian Yenza on here, and he did the same crap that you're doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he just like he was just like, we're gonna make society and reanimate. I just rewatched Society, and holy shit, I was thinking about like how did they get this made? And turns out it was a situation like my own, where some studio came to him and was like, we need a Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero ripoff, but scary. <laughs> And he turned in society. Yeah. Like, what yeah. The fuck? <laughs> yeah. One of the you fucking know, greatest shunting, like, like punk rock yeah. body yeah. horrors yeah. ever. Uh, I mean, he's what, like, what's... I'll make your movie, but I'm putting a fucking shunt at the end of it. So, I mean, listen to the episode because he like we barely say a word. He just speaks yeah. for like he speaks for like two hours. Just just takes us to school. It takes us to school. I believe home. it. He's somebody I totally because he made the dentist as well, which yep, is another yep, B yep. horror favorite of mine. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. It's when it's guys like that that I look to. I was talking to my buddy Charlie Steeds, who's another great indie filmmaker, and we have a couple of pros and cons in this day and age, right? So independent filmmaking has kind of had its its ups and downs obviously it's booms and it's busts and when we think of the booms we think of the 70s drive-in era right where we get all that crazy straight to the drive-in straight to the grindhouse sort of low budget stuff mm-hmm. um all the fulcis all the italian horror as well that was brought over because it was cheap to bring over right. from italy to the states and then we sort of have the independent boom of the 90s which is that sort of cheapening of 16 millimeters slash shot on shittio sort of genre of movie, which had its boom mm-hmm. in the 90s. And then we had one final boom, probably it's like a mini boom right as Blockbuster hit its, like you said, its peak popularity. That's sort of like 2000 to 2005 era where like DVD sales were enough to sustain a film through things sure. like Blockbuster and mm-hmm. through things like... so. You know, there was that. And now I feel like with digital, we're in this new boom. But the problem is when filmmakers sign up, there's no one holding their hand. There's nobody guiding them. There's nobody mentoring them. There's nobody giving them any advice. They're sort of just saying, okay, go make this movie and maybe you'll make money. You know, right. Right. Maybe you'll make a living at it. Maybe, you know, because back in the 70s or even back with like Peter Jackson's bad taste, right? Peter Jackson could go out make bad taste and go, well, as long as it's finished, I'm going to make my money back because the movie is inherently a commodity. Sure. Nowadays, not so much, but if you can learn to make indie movies, well, that makes your movie a commodity again. And I've seen that first with, with Bigfoot trap. It's funny. It's it. When I've talked about this with the studio and they're like, you know, this isn't the most marketable kind of thing, (laughs) but it's done really, really well for us because people enjoy it and that's what i'm trying to hit home with all these studio heads because i'm really into the business of it because i think it needs healing and i think it needs filmmakers at these business conventions saying like look if you make shitty movies you will only make so much money period end of story Mm -hmm. you know and and so it's there are several filmmakers like you know like i'm trying to do and me and my buddy charlie and we're trying to make decent movies we're trying to keep the indie you know film scene alive particularly indie horror is what we have a passion for um indie horror indie sci-fi indie fantasy right it's the sort of genre Hell yeah. Sure. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's um my but, favorite uh, <laughs> that's my favorite that's all i ever want to do i think it's, it's all it's easy to get an offer. yeah it's, an, it's maybe not right offer to do a... <laughs> what? it's easy to get an offer to do a <laughs> christian movie out here you know <laughs> But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, anyway. no, no, that's that's actually a really cool way to look at um cool information um because it's um 
because it seems you know it seems like you know um you know like it takes the dedication of the arts because you know we've had a mm -hmm. you know we, we, you know, we're, uh, Jason Howden's a friend of the show, and like, you know, and he lives in New Zealand, which is such a great place for him. But he has to battle like government and stuff like that to get things made, and like, yeah. you know, and uh, and you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, I just like, you know, I just my hat really goes off to, you know, really tips to those. I think so. I don't know. So my my <laughs> hat does something positive towards you, um, where um, I appreciate it I appreciate um, because because it really takes this dedication to being like, okay, well, we're gonna go out and we're gonna, you know, I mean, it takes tenacity. You know what I mean? Really, because because there's a lot of things in this this world, in particularly. I mean, you know, not to get political, but like in this, like this, the in capitalism and stuff like that, where where there's sure. a lot of things saying like, no, don't do this, because like, yeah, and I mean, like, and, and companies like Tubi are, you know, capitalizing on it, and it is getting the product out, you know what I mean, and and horror fans know about it and stuff like that, but it's still really challenging because the world still goes, okay, well, that's, I mean, since everything is 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 dealt towards maximizing your time yeah money that it's like how do we you know it's like so how do you make a movie and say hey how much do i make you know yeah and well, how do you make it lucrative and exactly. how do you make it profitable and it's 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 funny because with that sort of because I, I do talk to filmmakers from other countries and the sort of money-centric capitalist-centric system particularly in the states that sort of permeates the whole film industry as a result is both a blessing and a curse because you can do anything you want as long as it turns profit. And so if you can learn <laughs> how to do that, then you're golden. Um, but then there are things well, where it's like, fuck, that only could have been made by somebody who didn't give a fuck about making their money back. So it's it's like, it's a balance. It's it's a game. You know? I think I think that's also I, kind of what happened. Just real quick. Sorry, Graham. Yeah, yeah um, no, no. I think that's kind of what happened with like Terrifier 2. Because Terrifier yeah. 2 was one where Damien Leone kind of just said like, I'm fucking making this movie and we're going to do this and it's going to make money or it's not, but I'm going to bank on it. Like, and that, like that type of stuff with indie horror, I think is kind of the thing that's, it's starting to happen more. Like people are starting to yeah. take more chances as filmmakers and being like, this is the vision I have. This is the budget I had. We're going to fucking make this work. Like we're going to, yeah. we're going to make something that, you know, we want to watch rather than yeah. like you know like sometimes obviously you do have to take the jobs that are kind of like all right yeah i'll fucking i'll make that movie because i have to pay rent and i have a family to feed yeah. and stuff like that but it's starting to feel like more independent filmmakers are coming along and being like yeah i'm gonna do that movie as long as i get to also do this movie like exactly bingo yeah i really i, I like that uh it feels like you did it the, the way with the bigfoot trap is is you got the 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 tool like the tools like the skill like the the technical skill by yeah. doing those movies that you didn't have yes. a lot of heart behind but you could tell the heart was behind the bigfoot trap because oh, the yeah. heart was in the characters like the yeah, characters absolutely. carried the movie especially uh uh red i can't remember yeah. hoffman yeah, zach yeah, hoffman exactly. i think yeah he yeah. was just fucking rad i thought um yeah he really and, is uh, and he's he had beautiful eyes too, uh, for some reason. <laughs> he does have like, beautiful eyes. Gorgeous. Someone else said that at yeah. Most yeah. psychos do. Most psychos are very, very beautiful. Well, I didn't eyes. even think he was a psycho. Like, I don't know. I really dug it. But um and I like when I first saw it, first of all, I think the 
people think it's a comedy because it's called the Bigfoot Trap. Like that's kind of a, a it's a little it kind of sounds like the Parent Trap, you know? I guess so. Yeah. And, and so you're like, oh, what is this? Because I was like that, and you didn't see much of a, a like no poster yeah, or anything. If I had seen anything, the poster yeah. first, I might have felt differently, but. I just saw like a thumbnail of two rednecks sitting on a yeah a, a sitting thing. smoking cigarettes on the top of a bigfoot <laughs> yeah <track. laughs> exactly so I was like this is probably pretty funny also I was hoping it was at least lighthearted because I had just watched Beaten to Death which I don't know if you saw that but holy no I didn't God. I heard about it <laughs> so I needed to, like something after that and uh, <laughs> that was perfect but yeah it just it has heart and like you cared about the characters and and it's and and I went in being like, oh, this could just be like a bunch of rednecks saying like racist shit for an hour and a half, and then <laughs> yeah, it could like be. looking I, for Bigfoot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just watched a fucking. It was well done, I guess. It's terrible, anyway. Um, <laughs> you probably know what I'm. It was a beautiful uh, bad movie. <laughs> oh, but, there are uh, several I could think of. That <laughs> I don't want to get into actually, it now. Actually, yeah. I, I mean, actually, yeah, like, sure. I, you know, what's what's cool is so not to break off on the side tangent about that, but the, you actually do address that in the movie. Um, you do a good job of uh, of addressing, you know, um, you know, that sort of thinking, and I think that that's what you know, like, carries the movie so hard is that there, um, you know, there's no like villain in the story. You know what no. I mean? Like, and that's what I that's no. what I kind of like about it. Like, everybody's really, really. Um, you know, relatable and everybody's just trying to do what they do and trying to, you know, that was always the thought, you know, it was, that was always, that's, I mean, even in these, it's funny, even when I get these shitty assignment movies, I, I always joke that they become passion projects because you spend so much time with it and you're trying to make it good. And character is one thing that is so critically important to me. And yet it's one thing that time and time again, a studio will say, you know, no, well, we need generic hero's journey. We need, you know, an attractive, man or an attractive woman or an attractive whatever uh, to do XYZ. And so it can be hard to write complicated characters in that framework and you know, whatever. But this, I, I wanted, I don't know, I just wanted it to be honest, you know, which sounds so cliche and pretentious, but like, I think uh, I just kept watching as a fan of B-horror, I see so many great posters out there and I would get these movies as a teenager and go, this is gonna fucking rock. And then it wouldn't rock. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why didn't this rock? You know, even the movies that had hella gore and great creature design, I'm like, well, why didn't this rock? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, because it didn't really have heart. You know, it didn't yeah. really have, you know, it, it or it had, it, you know, a sort of fuck you attitude for the sake of having a fuck you attitude. That's and so, the Rob Zombie problem, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the Rob Zombie yeah. problem, which has its own appeal and has its time and place. It really, truly does. There's nothing, you know, wrong with those movies, but... With Bigfoot, I was like, well, we've seen Bigfoot fuck people up over and over and over. But it was a good framework to talk about some things that I was really uh, having issue with, you know, I, seeing the Internet birth this sort of genre of journalists that went out simply to make fun of people. It's kind of what the movie centers around, right? Mm. It's a journalist going yeah. to mock this Bigfoot guy. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. first of all, they're minding their own business. And I, I've, bullying is something I have a lot of personal experience with. And I grew up in the disability community. My brother's on the autism, uh, autism spectrum. And my mom co-founded the Middle Tennessee branch of the Autism Society. So bullying and, and the exploitation of people that can't really consent to what's going on uh, always bugged me. And so I just thought, 
well, what if this Bigfoot guy was onto something, right? What if he was right and right. this this smug journalist had to admit it? I'm like, that's a good movie, right? Absolutely. It can be yeah. both honest and serious and a lot of fun and have Bigfoot and have a Bigfoot trap and have rednecks. And redne- I was raised by rednecks. I'm, I'm born and raised in Tennessee. And so, you know, writing a redneck, it wasn't like, I'm going to humanize these rednecks. It's like, no, I just, I know rednecks. I went, yeah, yeah. Rednecks. rednecks are humans. I, like, yeah. They're humans. Yeah, they're they're, they're all over the country too. Like, yeah, we all, they, they are. Where I grew up, they are. <laughs> they are there was, the country. There was one part in the movie that I thought was kind of a cool, like in the scripting, like when you were writing it. And specifically, there was an interaction between them that kind of caught me off, like in a good way, caught me off guard, because it was when the journalist. um whose name escapes me right now, but it was when the journalist, Josh, Josh, yeah, Josh. So Josh made a, just a dumb fucking joke. Like it was yeah. just a dog shit joke. Cause yeah, like yeah. me and Ryan are both comedians. And like, I listened to him <laughs> cracking his jokes and stuff. I'm like, Oh, you fucking hack. So like, right. he's that. And then, uh, you know, and then red turns over and says, Dude, you're a journalist, not a fucking comedian. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It was kind of like really put him great. in his place, which was kind of like, you know, all right. Yeah, you know, you're kind of right. I also, I noticed like, when it, when you, uh, when Josh, when his uh, girlfriend asks him about, you know, what about that autism uh, paper yeah, yeah. you've been working on? I was like, I bet he, he has, yeah, you know, has a some connection experience. to that. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, it's, um, it's, just, it, it's something I think about a lot because like, you know, I, I nobody gives a shit about autism, and that's such a bummer because it's shit worthy, giving shit worthy. But like, it's you know, it, it there's but there's everybody has an issue like that. There's so many things worth giving a shit about that you couldn't possibly think about them all. And it's just I don't know. I, I feel like it's the 100%. journalist conundrum. Oh, yeah, it's the journalist conundrum. It's like you want to write about meaningful things, and it was sort of a metaphor as well for making movies. It's like you want to make movies that simultaneously entertain people and deal with an honest emotional content because that's what makes a good movie but then at the same time you're up against market forces and what you think people actually want and so it's just it's a dilemma i think that a lot of people in a lot of different you know lines of work go through and I so it was something I, that was easy to write about i would just make all those people watch train to the sun like because like <laughs> yeah. no, and I'm and I'm serious yeah. because like because like Train of Busan is like one of my favorite movies. It's a great movie. Just outside yeah. of horror or anything, it's just one of my favorite movies because um, yeah. on one hand it is brutal and it pulls no punches and it will kill your characters for you. You know what I mean? It it yeah. will straight up Game of Thrones a baseball team. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's just who, who the, it kills the main character. It does all the thing. You know, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Train to Busan, and if you haven't seen Train to Busan, you might not want to be listening to our podcast because yeah, you uh, have my permission you, to to stop it. <laughs> Shame you, on you! You got homework to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but you know when the um so pause if you haven't seen the movie um so, um <laughs> too late too late uh, but. <laughs> When the big guy dies, the guy who's in the Marvel yeah. movies and all that, Ugh. like <laughs> you feel it because you care because that movie created empathy and created like real human experiences that these people were having. And now listen, I love Terrifier and I love I love like just like a, a, a vapid body count as much as sure. anybody. I really fast. Yeah, you know, I can really I can really get down with that. I am a eighties kid of, of oh, yeah. you know of, of you know um watching camp counselors just get it. you know what i mean but um <laughs> but on the but yeah. on the flip side though is it's what but none of those movies are like i love them as horror movies but i don't i wouldn't like put them in the class but like i mean 
I was almost in tears at the end of Train to Busan, and just the end of like a horror movie is is mm-hmm. just absolutely putting you on a, like a true like emotional roller coaster. I mean, mind you, I think you know South Korea has made some of the best movies that in the past, in the past twenty years, anyways. But um, besides that, like like they they that movie touched on something that like I get they're, apparently they're going to remake it in America, and I'm like, what? I don't know. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah, don't bother. New York, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> It's like, no, it's I, like, I feel exactly. I feel exactly what you're saying, and I feel like some filmmakers can lose their way. Well, I don't know because, like you said, there's nothing wrong with gore fest. It has its place, but you need to be aware of what you're doing, right? Yeah, right. You're either doing yeah. one or you're doing the other. You're trying to build characters, or you're trying to present flash and style, or it's some fusion of the two. I feel like when you make a movie, and this is something that I've learned only recently, is that you need to go in with a clear head of like, this is what I'm doing, right? Like I just saw that movie Underwater with Kristen Stewart, which I actually oh, yeah. dug, and um, I love yeah, it was movie. good. <laughs> I've dug it a lot, and um, it was like I feel like all they sat down to do were like they were just like we're gonna make a Cthulhu movie, and it's gonna look like Alien, and that's it, <laughs> and that is exactly what it does, mm-hmm. and it slam dunks it, and yeah. and so sometimes the movies like it just I I like a movie that's clear headed about what it's trying to do. But so movies, so many movies get muddled up in trying to do it all. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's when they lose their way. And I, and I think it's been really like that, that in particular issue has been really problematic. Like, like, like on blockbusters recently, which blockbusters when I was a kid were more simple movies. And now it's yeah. like, I mean, like if you look at like Prometheus or uh, the Bane Batman, or I mean, like I love Christopher Nolan. I think he, he makes a lot of great movies, but that movie, like I still kind of enjoy watching because I like Tom Hardy a lot, like maybe like a little too much, but like, um, like it's <laughs> um, like, um, like, um, but like the Bane Batman has way too much crap in it. Prometheus way too much it's like this period of time where they just took too much and they just tried to throw it at it and we have like nine stories going and stuff like that and you're like just just like yeah I, we don't need this you know what I mean and I mean like and like you look at like Bigfoot trap and it's it, and it's simple and it hits the it's point simple it's two rednecks one Bigfoot trap one journalist <laughs> right yeah. like like 90 percent of the movie um uh, the, the funny- rednecks were complicated <laughs> the rednecks are complicated. Those are the complicated ones. <laughs> the, the complicated rednecks. Then I have a movie for you. Yeah, the, the, the guy who. Uh, the uh the the dude who was vaping and worked for the uh thing he was uh, oh yeah, yeah the yeah. funniest guy in the whole movie because he was i love that guy <laughs> yeah he, he guy, did a great job that guy is one of my favorite guys to work with because he's got a hell of a resume behind him and my favorite was you know i'm in nashville so everybody either grew up watching christian movies or grew up being forced to watch christian movies at their friend's house and this guy has been in theater and film for like 30 years and he was on Bible man. I don't know if anybody outside Holy the South shit. knows what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he played a villain on Bible man and he has so many fucking stories about how big of a dick Bible man was. Cause ironically, Bible yeah. man, the actor had a God complex. <laughs> sure. Dude, it's fucking. Okay. Have you guys ever seen Bible man? No, I've never seen I know that. of it. Dude, the fucking guy that plays Bible Man is Willie Ames from yeah. fucking Charles in Charge. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Dude. Yeah, that's right. I do I actually remember that he did. He looks yeah. like he looks like the tick except yeah. for Christ. Like it's fucking <laughs> dude. Like a bee tick. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, my god. it's not good. Yeah, um I, I have a question. 
Go for uh, it. What are your uh, top five or three, if there aren't that many, because it's pretty sparse, but uh, yeah. Bigfoot movies. Okay, great. No, I definitely got five. Um, <laughs> so in no particular order, right? First of all, we start with Harry and the Hendersons. Always. It's a great movie. Nice. It's a great Bigfoot movie. And as far as non-horror Bigfoot movies go, you're never going to top it. It's sweet, no. it's heartfelt, it's E.T. with Bigfoot, it's incredible makeup by Rick Baker, still the best on-screen Bigfoot that we've ever seen, especially because it's, since it's a kid's movie, it, Bigfoot doesn't have to linger in the dark. And so you get to see all the incredible, you know, puppeteering sure. and animatronic work and things like that. So Harry and the Hendersons. There's and we, a also, we, the we, we also have to give a shout out to John Lithgow, who is yeah, absolutely... Absolutely, everything he fan. touches is gold. everything he touches. He that guy, yeah. that guy it has gravity as an actor that we we don't give a lot of love to John Lithgow in this world. I mean, people like John Lithgow, but like John Lithgow is legitimately like he just has like on screen intensity like written all yeah. over him. He just like walks into the room with like, a, and there's just boom. Like it's just like he's one I mean, of those guys that just has so much experience, and you could tell, and m- makes it all look effortless. He's like John yeah. Goodman or something. Yeah, you know, just yeah. This, there's this big league of actors where it's like they have so much experience, and they're just so strong. And yep. um, yeah, but yeah, Harry and the Hendersons. Then there's a movie from the mid '70s after the sort of Foggy Creek boom um, called Sasquatch: The Legend of Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and it feels like a fake Discovery Channel documentary. And there's a movie, so you guys know the movie Grizzly, right? That mm-hmm. Jaws ripped off in the 70s. Yeah. So the same team that more or less, same production company, I think, that did Grizzly did Day of the Animals, right? Which was a sort of follow-up to the success of Grizzly, which was just a bunch of people getting fucked up by a bunch of animals. So they had a bunch of animals left over from Day of the Animals on, like, rental, and the trainers on rental. And so they told these guys, hey, Boggy Creek is hot. Will you go make a Bigfoot movie, but also include all these animals? And so it's a bunch of people looking for Bigfoot getting fucked up by a bunch of other animals <laughs> along the way. <laughs> All the while feeling like a fake Discovery Channel documentary. And it's rated G. That was another thing that threw me off. It was like, this has been rated G. Now it's a 1975 G, but still. And, it's a hard G. It's a hard G. There's still boobs. It's a hard It's a hard G. <laughs> There's still boobs. But yeah, it's a hard G. But then Bigfoot comes and uh, fucks up their camp at the end. And it's a great movie to watch. Just, you know, it's a great put it on Tubi. You're sleepy. You need something chill kind of movie. Right. Um, then there's a movie called Exists from the director of The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. And um, as far as found footage Bigfoot goes, you really couldn't do a better job. It's scary and it's intense. And, you know, the characters are pretty good. And it's just it's a good little movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, then there's a, another tiny movie uh, called Bigfoot, The Lost Coast Tapes. And the reason I like that one, it is a found footage movie and it is super indie. But what I like about it is it's the only movie that I've seen that deals with Bigfoot as a spiritual entity, which is how many mm. people describe Sasquatch. Um, sure. And so that was really cool. And then for number five, hmm. I'll do Hunting Grounds, it, it, or it's it was released as Hunting Grounds, but it was called Valley of the Sasquatch when they made it, and uh, a friend of mine produced it, and it's just, it's a good solid, it's just another good solid little Bigfoot movie, so I'll make those oh, yeah. my top five. So I have to ask about a yeah. notable omission. Okay. <laughs> Willow Creek. Interesting. Yeah, Willow Creek would be in my ten. I probably could have put Willow Creek over hunting grounds. Um, 
Because Willow Creek, what I like about Willow Creek, because I took a lot of inspiration from it personally, because it delves so deeply into Bigfoot culture, and it actually takes you up into Washington and takes you up into all these touristy landmarks. Um, It's an interesting movie. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It is an interesting movie. It also is kind of a bait and switch. Like it is because there's because Bigfoot isn't in it in it you know right. yeah there's no real actual Bigfoot in the movie which and so that's why that's kind of why I asked because that was a movie that I think people that wanted a Bigfoot movie went to go see that and they felt ripped off because yeah it was about Bigfoot but it wasn't a Bigfoot movie right if that makes sense and, you know yeah you know I thought about that too when I made Bigfoot Trap because I had the decision. Because my movie could have not had Bigfoot in it. It's and true. Willow Creek was the reason why I ultimately did put Bigfoot in it. Because as a fan, oh. I liked Willow Creek, but then I was but also you wanted like, Bigfoot. I wanted Bigfoot, and right. it made sense for our story too. Um, but uh, but yeah, so no good good honorable mention to Willow Creek. Nice. It's got its place. I have a, a few, uh, the, and I don't know if you've heard of Bruce Wemple. He did like uh-huh. the retreat, uh, the uh, shit, the beast. Ryan, you saw one of them recently. You've, I'll look it up. Uh, but anyway, um, what were you gonna say? Was somebody gonna say something? No, I just, I just don't. Remember Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Bruce, uh, so uh, it, when you're talking about the retreat, are you talking about the creature feature retreat? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, because the other retreat is the Pat Mills movie. No, no, Bruce Wemple is this director. He made uh, Sasquatch. Oh, that's a good question. What's the difference, if there is one, between Sasquatch and Bigfoot? None. None, None Sasquatch right? is, is the Native regional? American word. Um, <laughs> somewhat, I, I don't know, actually. That's a good question, because I, the word is used interchangeably, and people that take Sasquatch seriously call him sasquatch bigfoot is the sort of pop culture put it in the tabloids name sasquatch is like the species name right when people cryptozoologists talk about bigfoot as a species they're talking about sasquatches uh right that would be the difference and that movie that sasquatch movie that you just brought up from it was from like 2004 or something like that i think i know what you're talking about it's just called sasquatch no no okay so i found them uh it's uh monstrous the retreat and dawn of the beast uh, they all came out in two, uh, 2020 and 2021. Yeah, Dawn and it was of the like Bound. Bigfoot, and then it was uh, uh, Wendigo in another one, and then like the third was like the two of them. Yeah, so it was, it was like this cool. Wendigo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was this like really cool, like mini Marvel <laughs> like build. Up did you just did great. you really just say Bigfoot versus Wendigo? And I've never heard of this shit. Yeah, I've been telling you fuckers about this oh. for uh, over <laughs> a year. Big Legend. I saw. Was that Big Legend? No, it's it's uh, the first one is called Monstrous. The second one is called The Retreat, and the third one is called Dawn of the Beast. Dawn of the Beast, I want to see. Once I actually yeah. started working on Bigfoot, I started tuning out all the new Bigfoot movies because yeah, I was yeah. worried they'd freak me Fair. out. Like I'm like, oh shit, they're doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um. uh, God, I can't remember the movie. It's with, uh, and I'm trying to find it. There was the name of it, but uh, some some local people did it, and it was turned on to me by friends of the production. Um, um, and it was. Um, I forget what it's called, but they had they got Lance Henriksen to come do like a cameo at the end, and oh, nice. uh, and it was another Bigfoot. Like my brother was killed by Bigfoot. Now I have to chase down Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Um, I think that might be Big Legend. 
Yeah, that might be a big legend. That might be, it's that yeah. sounds right. And then then at the end, it turns out Lance Hendrickson, who is also in the yeah. treasure of like a human being. I'm like, tre- yeah. I mean, that guy has fought a predator and a uh, and a terminator and an alien. You know what I mean? So uh, him and yeah, Bill Baxter, Pumpkinhead, like he, <laughs> he fights pumpkin heads. He fights. Uh, he fights whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, <laughs> he's fought everything. He, he mm-hmm. fought. He fought Brian Bosworth. In Stone Cold, um, if you don't remember, if you don't remember Stone Cold, Stone yeah, Cold I do, was, was was where Brian yeah. Bosworth, a an American football player who was famous for having a mohawk and being a giant douchebag, um, he started. <laughs> um, he was he was like seriously the most famous douchebag of all time. Um, yeah, he was uh, somehow a mix of Vanilla Ice and Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Yeah, he was. They called him the Boz, and he played for like a year and a half until he got uh, steroid induced. Wore terrible sunglasses. Yeah, Yeah. he wore terrible sunglasses. He had like stripes painted in his head. He was a character. You know what I mean? He was like steroid Fieri. Yeah, he was. He was steroid Fieri. Right, that's, that's a, funny. That's, that's a, before, I think that's before my time. That's a great <laughs> fucking joke, Jones. Um, so um, thank you. Um, so, but uh, but that's the boss. Um, uh, yeah, look him up. You'll you'll go down a rabbit <laughs> hole. Um, you know, you look up. But he was in a movie. He started a movie called Stone Cold, uh, where uh-huh. he, it was a cop <clears throat> who had to infiltrate a biker gang, and the biker gang president um, was um, Lance Henriksen, who went by the name Chains. <laughs> and uh, they were and they were searching for like this super drug that was killing all sorts of people to sell, and uh, it's sort of like Alien Nation, which is a great movie that nobody ever talks about. But um, yeah, um, you know where they had like this like super drug. That was called. Anyways, that's Lance Hendrickson, and that guy also it's like I've actually like like he, uh, that movie you were talking about is Untold. Yeah. Untold. Oh, that's Sasquatch movie. Yeah. Anyways, that's Untold. Yes, yes, yes. That Sasquatch two thousand two. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I kind of yeah. I got it. a DVD release as just Sasquatch, and I bought it at a random <laughs> store when I was writing. And I think I that's watched what it says. It. Actually, the pictures and everything say Sasquatch. Yeah, it's listed as untold. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so what do you got coming? Actually, up next? that that right, that right there leads into something that you wanted okay. to talk about earlier. Okay. Okay. Uh, speaking of movies getting their titles changed, was uh, Clowntergeist. Yeah, right. oh, yeah. I, was literally, I was literally about to ask you what you've learned between Clowntergeist and the Bigfoot Trap. Like, what have you learned? Oh as a my filmmaker? god! <laughs> well, first of all, I've learned to stay clear-headed, right, and focus on one thing and do that thing. Then, two, I've learned if you can't do it one hundred percent, don't try to do it at all. And by that, I mean like effects or characters, like. <laughs> in Clowntergeist, all we do is just a bunch of shit that we can't quite pull off. <laughs> and so it doesn't come together in the end, you know? It's like, if you don't think you can stick the landing, you're going to break your ankle, you know? Sure. That's sort, that's sort of the story of my life, but yeah, okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think I, there are a lot of things in life where that could be yeah. the advice. But so for Clowndergeist, I was 19 years old and I had, uh, I was lucky enough to go to a high school with a, not only a media program, but the teacher was the local news anchor. And so she taught me everything about, you know, cameras and editing and this and that. And she got me in with some um, live broadcast people. And I was working uh, like volleyball games, high school football games and hockey games and all this stuff, just learning how to be a professional camera video person, right? How to make money at it, how a file for a video is an asset. Um, And then I went to film school for like three weeks and I was like, this is really expensive 
for what I'm getting. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to learn all through high school about how to do all this stuff. I thought, well, if I went back, I could get a job working with the news or working on the, the, you know, the high school sports or, you know, winding cables or whatever. So I dropped out and my idea was to make a feature film for $7,000 like Robert Rodriguez did. And I was a, I still am a diehard horror fan. And I thought, okay, I'll do a horror movie. Uh, what is something, and this is exactly how I came up with Bigfoot Trap. It's how I come up with a lot of things. It's like, what do I think is an underserved subgenre? Mm -hmm. As a viewer, what is it that I'm not getting enough of? And back in 2014, when I started it, it was clowns. Now we have plenty of them. But back in 2014, you know, back just a little under 10 years ago, there wasn't enough of that. So I, I started prepping this movie called Fear Itself. And we had a clown and we had a ghost story and the whole nine yards. And um, it took me like three years to make it because A, I had no idea what I was doing. B, I was a 19 year old. So you're, you're trying to find your way as a person. Uh, and C, the we kept running out of money. And so I kept running up credit cards and having to pay them down and yada, yada, yada. And I finally finished this movie. We sell it to a distributor. It chapter one is announced. Uh, and then there was that whole viral sensation on the news of clowns showing up on college campuses mm, and just yeah. standing there. Yeah. And so that was when I was reached out to by a distributor. They said, hey, we'd be interested in taking your movie. We'll pay you uh, a pretty nice sum up front, enough to make half the budget back. I thought, okay, well, that's good. You know, that's all good. That's all fine and good. And I was 22, I guess, when all that happened. Um, and so... <laughs> They say, okay, well, we need to change the title of the movie because it needs to start with A, B, or C. That way, when someone goes on on demand or into the the video store, mm. the bookstore, or whatever, <laughs> that it'll be toward the top of the list. And so he said, write me out a list of titles that start with A, B, or C for your movie. Now, they were cool guys. They still are cool guys. And so I wrote out some funny titles as well, just so they'd get a kick out of it because I had 150 titles on there. So I wrote, you know, Ones that made sense, abomination or clown blood or what, whatever the hell. And then you'd write, you know, and then I'd write Star Wars episode 12, The Clown Awakens, just for the hell of it. <laughs> and one of the titles I wrote was Clowntergeist. And I was like, oh, haha, poltergeist and clowns. That's a good one. And I send it off and I get a call and he's like, hey, hear me out. Um, we're going to call the movie Clowntergeist. And I'm like, you're going to for real call the movie Clowntergeist. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we're going to for real call it Clowntergeist and we're going to release it. And um, we think the title will catch people's eye. And I was like, well, you guys know best. And they kind of did because we ended up in the Hollywood Reporter. We ended up in Entertainment Weekly. Like we had a <laughs> like a tenth of what the Winnie the Pooh thing just went through. I know those mm -hmm. guys that, that did that. You know, like a, like a like 5%, 10% of what they had. Um, where people were talking about us. Now, the movie, not only did it not fit the marketing, which is already an uphill battle, but it's a movie directed by a 19-year-old running up credit <laughs> cards. So it's not, sure. you know, it's got its charm and it's got its <laughs> fans, weirdly enough. Um, and it's got a few diehard fans, like people cosplaying as the clown. So that's really satisfying that at least it has some diehard fans. But um I will yeah, say that you know, I haven't seen it, but I would love a Clowntergeist shirt. I think like a yeah, Clowntergeist, just, like, it doesn't that sound like a great, I mean, because honestly, yeah. the name is fucking No, great. the name's great. It was, <laughs> we stumbled into something. So it's, the rights, the rights revert back to me 
um, in like three or four years. And I've thought very seriously about remaking it, knowing what I know now, right? Because it's like, yeah. how fun would it be to revisit my first movie and just try and hit a home run this time? Right. Um, and give the clowner guys that I, as a viewer, would want to see <laughs> picking up that DVD. <laughs> Well, that's, this is, that's, that's how great. Poltergeist happened. This have also you, this makes me laugh because something that we talked about earlier was going in the video store and seeing a cover and then seeing the movie and be like, "Well, what the fuck? Like, this is not yeah. what the cover was." I, if you look at yeah. the cover of Clowntergeist, it looks it, it. I'm not gonna say it looks like a high budget movie, but it looks like a high style movie. You know what I mean? It does. Like, it looks like a super stylistic movie, and you watch the movie, and you're like, oh, this was made for not very much money. Like, <laughs> not very much money. Not at all. But it is we a fun movie. In an ice cream store. It's got, I mean, it's got a, what? It's got a killer ice cream man who's wrangling a demonic clown that is trying to kill people with balloons. I mean, it's got its charm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. It's I... not It's not my shittiest movie. It's not my shittiest <laughs> movie. I mean, I'm hard on my movies, obviously. that That's something I wrangle with a lot, right? Because if you're not hard on your own movies, you're never going to get better. If you finish a movie and you go, well, this is perfect. I wouldn't change anything. Well, then you're not going to get any better than that. Right. Um, I mean, you know, Jonas and I are stand-ups, as he said earlier, and I will tell you. Yeah. Um, one thing I've learned in this world is that the idea of an artist, um, like the, the, the hippy dippy explanation of an artist is somebody who's like free and like gets to create is utter bullshit. I think that we yeah. actually like have unhealthy, <laughs> unhealthy drives to do like, and like, I mean this, like, I think that art comes out of like, I can kill I mean, this just happened to me not too long ago. Like, I had a great set in front of a huge crowd, and I did mm -hmm. a, better than I even thought that I was going to do. I, I riffed some stuff. I did great. I got off. Like, everybody around me was like, big fist bumps, which was like the com comedy fucking like, yeah, thing, you know, and uh, yeah. um and I still can walk around afterwards and be like, oh, I should have said this there, and I could have pushed this harder, and I could, you know, I, I just don't think that I just don't think as artists we're like meant to enjoy the work. I think we're meant to no. we're, we're meant to see it as like everything is a building block. There is no, I mean, I you know, I mean, otherwise you just become like a wedding photographer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like not that there's <laughs> no, anything wrong with, but not that there's anything wrong with wedding photographers. Like, but like, but like, if you're good at taking photos, being a wedding photographer is like okay. This right. time I'm gonna take a picture of the. If, if maybe, that's all you want to do is operate, and there are yeah. people that do that. They're like, I like to operate cameras sure. and make photos or make videos, and they go into videography and photography, and more power to them because they'll make a sure. hell of a lot of money, more money than any of us ever will. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, okay, you know, it's could, funny because I talk about that a lot with actually directing these movies for a living. It's like that was a big thing for me, and it took me a long time to crack. And it's something that is hard. It's a tightrope. You slip off the tightrope every now and again. What I did is I edited over 200 movie trailers um, and did about 50 movie posters. Um, learned a lot about marketing that way. <laughs> but uh it, with with being an artist of any kind, I really do think it requires delusion. And I think that's why when you're in the industry of the arts, when you meet other film directors, or in your case, other comedians or other painters, they're either like you, driven and determined and talented and working through their own thing and are on different steps of their journey. Or they're like Tommy Wiseau, The Room, delusional, where I'm like, <laughs> right. what are you on? 
Totally. Like I if still you walk around the American, <laughs> yeah. If, if, oh, the, the room is a masterpiece. It's an accidental masterpiece. You think it's a but work until you, you see the trailer for his new movie called Big Shark, and you're like, "All right, this is not a work." All right. No, I'm, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know. It's too. It's too perfect. A, a, a thing like he's. Just, I think this, this whole thing is like he's just in on it and has been. I really, I honestly believe it. I don't as believe it. As soon as he gets away from the camera, he's just like well spoken. And he's like, I actually made a billion dollars. <laughs> I do. Movie and I, I do. just haven't shown everybody. Like that's, <laughs> that's just the, that's the wrestling fan in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything's everything's a big story. So uh, what do you what do you? Uh, a I love. I, you know, I, I was not a clown movie guy until I became yeah. a clown movie guy, and it really started. It really started with clown. The movie. The Eli Roth yeah. One. Yep. yeah, the yeah, yeah. the one where like the guy puts on the clown outfit Yeah, the clown costume can't... won't come yeah, off. Yeah, 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 that's fucking brilliant. And uh yeah, it's a good and then movie. and it was followed up by Terrifier really close after that. And yeah, also all of a sudden Terrifier is like fucking like you know, I mean I was in love with the first Terrifier because I just felt like it was a horror movie, fans horror movie. You know what I mean? Like this is clearly yeah. like servicing like it it was just such like a dark and like vapid movie and that vapidness just gave it this like unholiness you know what i mean and uh like sure. that's like that's like like something that's really challenging to pull off is like that vibe and then you know and then yeah uh, and then you know so i'm actually i haven't seen clowntergeist but i'm gonna like tonight go search for clowntergeist because i want it like <laughs> you know i feel like and then there's haunt i don't yeah another eli roth project yeah uh, um which i really liked i, I really like haunt and uh you know so apparently like i'm a, a fucking clown fan and um i didn't realize give it a I, shot man yeah, I'm going to go big time on, on Clowntergeist. It legitimately, it's it's fun. <laughs> like, that's the thing. So I know that, like, when I was talking about it earlier, I was talking about how, like, the cover is sort of like that bait and switch thing. But also, yeah, the movie itself is fun for what it is. Like, Yeah, it, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if it had marketing that matched, it might have been uh, a different story. You know, I feel like it's a cute movie. Like, it, well, it is. As far and as like, glamour, yeah. There's like, there's also like, and believe me, Clown Guys is not the only clown movie that has done that. The Clown Motel movies. I <laughs> oh, said yeah. movies because there's two. And that's oh, yeah. the fucking cover of those compared to the movie that you watch are two wildly different things. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, but they're fun for what they are. And that's what the, so the reason that I had ended up asking you, like, what you learned from Clown Guys to the Bigfoot Trap mm-hmm. is because. Like when you look at a movie, and again, like I told you earlier, I saw the Octo Games, and that was one that I walked into not expecting something great. Like I was expecting mm-hmm. it to be kind of like I hit two B roulette, let's see what happened, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. But then when I watched it, I was like, and this is before I even knew who you were, like knew that you were going to be on the show or anything. But in my head, I was yeah. saying to myself, the student knows how to write characters. Like, yeah. But with you know how to write characters with a short amount of time what i mean you know what i mean like that so that it would be the main thing that i've learned to to kind of answer your question is like you you with i always say with independent film you are on borrowed time you really are and it's like you need to respect that and i really do especially as a fan of short movies i'll watch anything if it's between 80 and 85 minutes like anything (laughs) and and that's a beautiful thing. And I have found movies literally just because they're short. Because I'm like, I could watch two of these things right now, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you're, you're on borrowed time. And so with movies like the Octa Games, it was like, okay, 
we're gonna we don't we have no money but we're going to have eight games the movie promises eight games eight players one winner right and god damn it that's what i'm gonna give you you know yeah. and i'm gonna give it to you <laughs> quickly and efficiently and i'm going to try to have some semblance of connection right you know it's like i want these characters to at least somewhat feel real and so the the, the characters that ended up really working in that particular movie um, were the ones w- where they didn't tell me what to do, right? Because not oh, we need a pretty girl in the role and the lead role, and she needs to be like this. And so all the side characters ended up being really fun on Octa Games. And so you've mm-hmm. got this lead who's played so beautifully by a friend of mine, and then all these fucking crazy people surrounding her. <laughs> we shot that movie in ten days, and it went from writing to completion delivery in what twelve weeks. It was wow. wow. wow crazy it was crazy town but it was fun to watch it i actually you know i was actually thinking i was actually thinking about this earlier like i actually today believe it or not that a short movie's great like so i read a lot and i love novellas novellas is like such a great me too you you can just pound like there's so many great particularly horror novellas and like modern novellas oh yeah like that are like like 100 pages and they're like it's it's got enough time to break and sometimes i wish there was that in more movies maybe that's just tv or whatever but like like that like an hour a 45 minute hour long it's not a short i love shorts i fucking love shorts just because i as a as a uh, as a writer myself i i love yeah. the i love be- i love having a beginning middle and end in a in a in a nine minute movie that's fantastic if you can pull that off great but it just seems like there's got to be a space for like the novella length movie you know what i mean i you know i've thought a lot about that as well I, i've thought a lot about that because i'm like host nailed it, it. yeah what did host, host the uh, host. Yep. it was the movie that came out during quarantine it was on shutter it was oh, like yes, it was yes, all yes, the on skype zoom one. The skype yep. one. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Skype. yeah, yeah that was yeah, really yeah. great and it's it like 56 it's like 56 minutes hour. yeah yeah i think a lot about when 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 you bring that up i think a lot about black mirror and the twilight zone or yep. like uh yep. you stuff like that cabinet of curiosities cabinet of curiosities yeah where you can see these 30 to 50 minute stories really work. I always wished that they would let us do something like that. And it's just not the way that the market was built. Um, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to like do a double feature where I do my own grindhouse, but instead of, you know, two, you know, hour 45 minute movies, you do two 40 minutes sure. and you make sure. a mini yeah. double yeah. feature. That would be uh, something like that. That would be, cool. that would be so cool. And so perfect. It would be cool. And, and honestly, like, you know, the market is created by, people doing the thing you know what i mean so at some point like if we did the thing enough we would try to say hey like listen like you know we uh oh yeah you know oh yeah there's it's so funny like one day i'll have a meeting with somebody and they'll be like no like for the longest time they said no gore we don't want any gore in these movies gore isn't selling gore is out and no slashers either those are out we want paranormal stuff we want ghost stuff then Terrifier comes out, the Halloween reboot comes out, and all of a sudden, <laughs> these same people turn around and they go, can you do us a gory slasher, please? That's right. what's really selling. Skip the paranormal stuff. That's not selling. And so it's just like, the market exists when somebody creates it, and it, it's that's where the gambling comes in. And, and then it's that. almost too late. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, yeah. fans yeah. are, like, moved on. They're, like, waiting for the next thing. That's not like this being saturated. Exactly. That's not the the exact the thing that is being saturated by. Well, exactly. and and honestly, like that's the 
that is the real gamble of all the art that we all do is like to, yeah. to be great and loved. I mean, like Jonas and I can talk to you about stand up. Like you can be the funniest stand up in the world. Like there are funnier stand ups that I know personally that like that aren't uh, don't have huge Netflix specials and things like that because they're not in the right place at the right time or the vibe they're looking yeah. for. So it doesn't even take just being great. It takes like like market research people deciding that oh we we're looking for somebody with a little bit more dark comedy this year or we're looking for somebody yeah. with a little bit more or you know more polished but, you know i don't know different. if you've read i don't know if you've read steven Spielberg's the war of art um it's a tiny little book and it's excellent and steven pressfield is a novelist a successful novelist and he wrote this book called the war of art which is just about making work despite the pressure you feel in your head to not make work, right? That resistance to sitting down and getting the work done. Right. And his whole premise is basically if money wants to come to you, it will come to you. If big deals want to come to you, they will come to you, but all they will ever be and all you should ever treat them as is a side effect, a random side effect of mm -hmm. doing the work. And he's like, everyone hated Moby Dick when it came out, right? Everybody hated the shining when it came out. And people came around on it. Everyone hated Vincent Van Gogh when he was around. Mm -hmm. So it's like just keep your head down, make your work, and every now and again you'll 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 get a bingo. You know, it's it's and there are different examples of getting a bingo. Like I've just seen Scott and Reese go through their big bingo with Winnie the Pooh. You know, mm -hmm. um, Blood and Honey. They they have made 150 movies over the past five years. Like they make an insane amount of movies. He hires all these directors and makes them at a low budget and you know, their, their quality is obviously all over the place, all over the place. Mm. Um, and they, they hit a slam dunk. It's like they threw enough darts at the dartboard. They hit a slam dunk and now they're millionaires. Um, <laughs> and with Bigfoot, it's kind of funny because Bigfoot as a trend is on the up and up, right? right. Like, right. and I was able to get in on it because I wasn't chasing trends right? I'm the kind of person that would want that, which is why it's so important to follow that. Like, what do sure. I want to see? Because that probably means there are other people that want to see it and there's a trend there. And so it was yep. because nobody told me make a Bigfoot movie that we were able to make a Bigfoot movie and do well with it. Because um, already since then, I've had people be like, will you make another one? Will you do another one? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm on to other shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what well, you, so what's, I, I what's, super loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great, dude. So, so and that's you, that's why I, that's actually why I brought up the whole um, the whole character writing thing because I wanted to commend you on one thing that's that a lot of horror, especially horror filmmakers, aren't very good at. Like when you wrote the character of Josh, like I'm yeah. like so you did the writing, the editing, the directing. You did everything on that as far as that part goes. Yeah, right? I didn't shoot it. That was the one thing I I. I DP about half my own movies. That particular one, we had someone shoot it, and he did a he did a great job. But yeah, gotcha. I did everything else. Can, can so, you can you explain to the crowd what DP means? So, yeah, right? DP is cinematographer. So okay. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Sorry, I'm used to being in. Filmmaking. Yeah, I know, but um, that uh, but that uh, but that means a lot of different things. It does. So, <laughs> it means Dr. Sure. Pepper, it does. Dolly Parton. Yeah, it does something <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> um. I remember, man. Oh my God, that's a whole other story. But um, that's a whole. Other, somebody a whole double movie. penetrated your movie. <laughs> so I was living in Chicago for a while, and there was a big porn scene there, and you'd bump into those people, 
And they'd say like, oh, DP means different things on my job. We call it camera people. I was like, yeah. oh, Jesus. Um, but Somebody yeah, shows so up to the audition a, like, I heard you needed a DP. DP, like, oh, exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> like, oh, I think you're in the wrong building. I, I, I like that yeah, I can crack the joke as the porn in, porn industry people. I like that I cracked the same joke. <laughs> I like that they say camera person. <laughs> camera person. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I wasn't the camera person on Bigfoot, but I did everything else myself. But you were so you were saying that uh, about character. Yeah. So the thing with Josh, like, so with Josh's character, like within two interactions, you kind of knew that he was like, oh, he's doing the dickhead journalist stuff, but he doesn't want to anymore. Yeah. Like in a, the the interact and when I say within two or three interactions, I do mean that very literally. Like by the third interaction with a person, you're like, oh, he wants to do better stuff than this. Like than being the sensationalist BuzzFeed Vice Media dude. Like he doesn't that he's just doing that yeah. for fucking clicks or money. He actually wants to do this, and like the the fact that that was known so quickly made me actually almost immediately invested in whatever the fuck was going to happen to him. Thank you. That's really, it's important to do when you're writing, you know? Yeah. Um, and most horror movies just can't pull that off like that quickly anyway, which, so yeah, that's why I wanted to commend you on that because like, I know that I've seen with your credits that you do a lot of the writing on a lot of your movies. Yeah. So, all of it. Yeah. That's like that skill alone. Um, kudos to you on that. Cause that's a, that's a hard thing to pull off. To get somebody to give a shit about it, a character that quick, it, it you know it's it falls it to me it falls in that bucket of the thing that's most important to me, which is like respecting your audience's time and 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 expressing as much as you can. It was something Danny Boyle said actually that really changed my perspective on all that, um, and it's something that I aspire to and and still fail at, but you can still aspire to it. And he said you got to take your audience to the edge, right? If you promise them a movie about helicopters you better, you know, put them in a helicopter. You promised them a movie about, you know, whatever, you better give them that. I, I, for me, what I thought about when he said that was Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, right? I had a poster of that <laughs> for the longest time because I love the poster. And I finally watched the movie and I'm thinking, there's a 50-foot woman in this for five minutes at the very end. Like, yeah, it got to it, but they should have reached that point 10 minutes in or 20 <laughs> minutes in. Yeah, And it was it was interesting too. I was reading about this sort of. I'm really big into psychology. I'm just really big into people. I'm I'm extroverted. And I'm very interested in people and meeting people and getting to know them and getting to know why they do what they do in psychology. And I was reading about um, how our attention spans are shrinking, right? And they're saying, well, our attention spans aren't shrinking. People are just have sort of cracked the code with your attention span, and they're figuring out how to grab it faster. And that has its own ups and downs, but they were talking about the average length of a shot in a film and how the shot length on average is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and how that isn't necessarily a sign that we've gotten our attention spans fried. It's just that the filmmakers are better at capturing that attention. And so I think about that a lot. Like, how can I really sort of say to the audience, hey, thank you for sitting down and trusting me with the entertainment for the evening. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and try and make this about me. I'm going to try to give you something in return. And I think with horror filmmakers in particular, right? It, this is true with any indie horror, filmmaker, but um, I think they can too often think about themselves, right? And about 
too much of what they personally would want to see. When someone says make what you, you want to see, I don't think that they mean you literally. I think that they mean an identical version of you that doesn't have your thoughts and experiences, sure. right? Because what would I like to see? I'd like to see a movie about Aaron winning every award ever and getting rich, <laughs> you know? Right. right. Like that's what we'd want to see is things that feed our own ego and our right. own psyche. It's like, okay, but what about an identical version of Aaron that shits on movies really quickly? You know, what would that version of Aaron want to see? And then yeah. paying attention when that version of Aaron sees, like I just saw Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Uh, oh, yeah. TV. Yeah. That is the that first movie. That is the first horror movie I ever watched as a kid, and I saw it on TV. I, I swear yeah. to God, like it was the absolute very first movie I ever watched. It's a TV movie. It's great. Yep. It's just, yep. it, And I watched it, and I was just thinking – as far as direct to TV, 1980s scarecrow movies go, this is perfect. Yep. I couldn't ask for any more. I couldn't ask for anything more, especially with it being straight for TV and having its own rules. So paying attention when you as a viewer go, oh God, I've been given what I want to be given. It's like, how do I then turn around and do that same thing? Right. If that makes any sense. No, yeah. no it absolutely, absolutely does. Like, and uh, and that's a great, um, that's a great, right? Actually, I'll just hop into this. This is going to be my recommendation for today, but I got other ones. Um, I just w watched The Hot Ones with Daniel Kaluuya on it. And, oh, yeah. and um, you know, he talks about that he wants movies that, like, he says that everything he says should be understood by a baby. And and yeah. what it, and but he also says that it's but it's like a b it's like the Jackson Five's A B C one two three easy as one two three or Bob Marley's No Woman No Cry because they're not like it's simple but it's uh, accessible excellence and I think that that's like that was just like such a beaut like you know as as all of us here are artists like yeah. that that idea of accessible excellence is just such a beautiful way to like. You, like what we're that is to a do. great way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, is uh, and coming from that guy who is, I mean, of course, just, uh, I mean, um, an incredible, incredible actor. I, you know, I mean, arguably probably one of the best in the game, right? Right. I mean, yeah, like, right can, now, can, yeah. can, yeah, can sure. we just can we just say like he's? I mean, I know, yeah, I'd agree I, with that. I, I would. There's like you put that guy in a movie, and he, did you know like the way that he got? I learned this the way that he got the part and get out was that no. he was able to cry that tear on five different takes in the movie. Holy really? Shit. Yeah, like that was like he was just able to, and he explained how he gets there. That it's not actually acting; it's just him just being in the middle of an experience. That he just remembers colors during he when he's talking. I'm like, who the fuck are you, dude? Like that is like <laughs> that's like, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here, bro. Like he, like it, like yeah. it was like like I mean like I'm like I'm a tra traumatized dude, and like I can't like I can't go there and pull up tears. You know what I mean? And uh, so he, actors uh, are a different species, man. I truly believe that. I, I think so. I think so too, and especially like. Like a like a like a force like him, and uh, I also yeah. I also have a very close friend who worked with him on uh, Judas and the uh, Black Messiah, and just about what Crazy. actually like what an actual cool dude he is, and how he's just like super chill, and he's just like how you think he should be all the time. It's a fucking great movie, yeah. and uh, um, anything with Jesse Plemons in it is uh, yeah, um, and uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who I think should be yes, every, uh, I, I could I, I, I yeah, is there is there like yeah? Like, let's, if I guess where this is like our a show where we're just championing uh, people. I'm just championing people. <laughs> I love it at least. Um, where but like if you talk about like subdued, like a like a 
like a silent juggernaut. That would be how I would describe Ricky Stanfield's acting. Like he can be, he's so laid back and he has a certain calm, but he is just such a fucking character in the midst. He of does that. a lot in his eyes and his yeah, face. Yeah, he and, does. It's just, and it's just his presence and the and thing like that. Like I think Atlanta is yeah. like the best television show, best written television show specifically of all time. And he just like, yeah, just that part is like, is like, A, I don't think anybody else could have done it. B, I think that like, like he just nails it. And, um, you know, you know, so like you, you take the you take all those people, and and Jesse Clemens is also another like almost like creeps me out actor because he's so good. Like, uh, yeah, they really brought that movie together. But um, but anyways, but like, what a great way to look at art. You know what I mean? Just like through that like accessible excellence. Like, are we giving people like what they want, but also making it like really rad? It's like having like a fine dining restaurant <laughs> with like Denny's prices. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like that's so that's the hard balance to strike, right? So I made a movie called Painted in Blood, which is one that I'm super proud of, but I think I got too caught up in trying to be honest to my own experiences and not honest enough in or not giving the audience what they wanted. It's mm-hmm. like you have to respect that there are people watching and you have to give them the, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of what we yeah. were saying, but I've, I've, I've made the opposite mistake, right? You know, there's one side where you give them too much guts and goo and not enough heart. And then there's the other side where it turns into a therapy session and it's like, sure. well, that's, that's a little much. So it, that's the hard <laughs> thing is exactly. filmmakers, you're walking that line sure, and then every and now and again, you'll see a movie that is a therapy session. That's just great. But sure. that's always the exception rather than the rule. That, that was kind of like a 90s thing. There's a lot of therapy session movies like that movie Smoke. Do you guys remember that movie Smoke? Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Harvey Clay. Clay Harvey Clay. Uh, Blue in the Face was the sequel. Yeah, exactly. With an, and like it was like a, it was mostly a dialogue movie and stuff like that. And if you're kind of a dialogue junkie, like it's a, 90s it's, indie was, yeah, yeah um, very, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that mo- a movie like that's super dated now. And like I probably would get kind of tired of the pretentiousness of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sure. say that that movie is really um, accessible excellence, though. Um, I would say Train to Basan is successful excellence. Yes, you know it is. I mean? yeah. and, that's, and, a, that's a great it, example of it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, so yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that's kind of where I went with that. And, uh, you know, I, I love, I love talking to other artists, particularly like indie artists and like, you know, like, because yeah. we're all, we're well, all you know, here. we're all just, we're sort of all in the same game more or less, you know, exactly. I, I, it's, that's why I like, it's funny. I love being in Nashville because there's so much art and no one thinks about, like, I, I, they think about country music, but there there's all kinds of arts around here and, and you can connect with them in the same way you connect with any filmmaker. Sure. Um, there's a surprisingly big punk rock scene. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. To I was going to say there's a lot of punk rock in Nashville. There's a lot of punk rock, a lot of metal. Well, a lot of studio musicians get really tired of playing the same thing on drums over and over. And so they start bands where they can just wail. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so there's this great underground of people, these studio musicians just desperately wanting to shred. It's yeah. awesome. I was gonna say the, stu- the, the studio musicians there because I mean, like I mean, like I'm not even a country music guy, and uh, yeah. I actually oddly like newer country than old. I'm, I'm weird like that. Really? some some specific. Um, no, I'm I'm the same way. I'm, um, I'm big on pre 9 11 country, and then post 9 11, I'm like. Ah. but like you know anyways this is a whole different conversation but um but like (laughs) but the studio musicianship actually the musicianship in like pop country music for as much shit as pop country modern country gets it's i mean like i mean like you take like somebody like brad paisley and that dude can actually 
really fucking play guitar. Like he can probably play yeah. guitar better than like ninety percent of your favorite, ninety nine percent of your favorite guitar players of all time. And you know, yeah. and in a lot of the, in a lot of those people who are like almost like too good to be in their own bands, go to Nashville yeah. so they can fucking crank out. You know, so they can yeah they can do the salaried uh, salaried independent movie maker job. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Like, I mean, there's a there's a there's a I get it. Like you know what I mean? Like you fucking played your guitar your whole life, and you can either what go on tour, you know what I mean, or you can sit in the studio and fucking you know make make a decent living like playing yeah. fucking pop hits. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, that must make that town actually pretty exciting. I've actually never been to Nashville. I have been to Memphis. It's a cool but I, town. But it's I've a never cool town. To, if you yeah. guys are ever around, hit me up. Like I, right. it's my favorite city, you know, because I've, I've been all over the place. I did a little bit of school in Chicago. My first feature I actually shot in LA because I had connections out there in film school. Uh, so they would let us use our gear or their gear. Um, you know, I've been up through New York, the company that, uh, finance Bigfoot is primarily based out of New York and, I might shoot a movie up there in upstate New York, actually, but uh, but I just a keep going back to Nashville. A lot of good places in upstate New York, um, but uh, I just love Nashville, and I think the I think the South as a whole is misunderstood. I think people have an idea of what the South is in their head, and I'm I'm, I'm you know the the backwoods of Mississippi and Nashville and Atlanta are very very different sure. places. Yeah, um, so it's got its charm. Yeah, I think um, I think no matter where you go, you find that people are just people. I think that that's just the, um, the um, yeah. I think that that's just the uh, you know what I mean. And yeah, yeah. except yeah. Ohio, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, there. what the fuck? Is going on <laughs> <laughs> so what's my next? Entire, my entire family is Ohio, and it's been so nice to see these Ohio memes come up because I'm just like, yes, give the state what it deserves. Um, so what's next? Ohio. Uh, what's next? I, I'm finishing up a movie called Escape Pod, and Escape Pod is, is, is it's exactly what it says. It is two people stuck in an escape pod that has just been launched out of space, and there's a stowaway, and there's an alien virus. It's got some body horror elements. It's got some mm, sci-fi. Yes. And everything is practical. We built. I was my because I built that Bigfoot trap. I built it in seven days, and I just That's I, like, I want to do something. Yeah, I thanks. I just I to wanted ask. to do something with my hands. I you know I just I I would go to home. I don't know. I, I've I, you guys probably get this as artists. You ever see somebody doing hard work and it's like, damn, I don't do any of that shit. I don't. Do it. Like it's like the scene in Crimson Peak where the the investor or whatever takes Tom Hiddleston's hands and he's like, your hands are soft. What do you know about life? He's like, yeah. your hands haven't dealt with wood and rocks. And so right when I was. Right when I was starting Bigfoot Trap, I was like, you know what? God damn it. I want to I wanna build this thing with my own two hands, and I don't want anybody to help me. And um, Zach, the actor who plays Red, did come out for a couple days because he wanted to kind of get into his character's headspace. Like, what is it that my character has built? Um, and he lives close by, so he came by. But I built that trap, and I learned a lot in the process. And I was like, oh, I, I like this. I feel like a sculptor almost because it's – you're dealing with physical objects and to make something in your art. And so it just sort of fit the vibe. And so with Escape Pod, what I did was they gave me this, it was the studio that put out the Winnie the Pooh horror movie. And so I really wanted to get in with them because they had just put out this giant sure. movie. And uh, they said, we'll give you this tiny, they, they said, do you have any pitches? I sent them all my pitch decks that I had had from the film markets. And I had a sci-fi pitch offhandedly, right? Because everybody always wants sci-fi and I've never gotten to direct sci-fi. 
And so I thought, okay, here's a sci-fi pitch. He goes, we like the sci-fi pitch. Can you do it for one quarter of the proposed budget? (laughs) Shit, man, I don't know. And he's like, well, it's about an escape pod, right? Can't you just build an escape pod? And I was like, I guess I can. And so I took a month and I just wake up and I build shit. And that was a lot of fun. And so I built this escape pod and we shot a movie in it. And it's, uh, it's kind of a Twilight Zone mystery, elements of body horror, sort of chamber thriller where we just throw the kitchen sink at you. We got a bunch of practical effects and all the space that's outside of the windshield has been projected onto like projection screens, old school style. Nice. So I love it. Yeah. That sounds so rad. That reminds it's me, really, yeah. this. it's like a trend of directors, like building, I guess not a trend. I think directors have always done it, but like when they build their own, like the set, that like is going to be most of the movie yeah. themselves. We talked to uh, uh, Jordan Graham who did Seder. I think yeah. it was it was him yeah. that that built oh, that I cabin. Him. His movie's dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He built that cabin all himself. Like, Damn. It, it was nuts. I, yeah, I think it is a trend because we don't, as at our level of indie film, we don't have money to to hire a construction sure. crew. You know, back yeah. then, back in the seventies and the eighties, they usually have just enough to hire a construction crew. Um, but now it's like you want a spaceship, you got to build one. And what's great <laughs> right, is what's great is now I've shown everybody you know in the industry that I work with the spaceship movie, and they're all like, "Well, can we get a spaceship movie?" I'm like, "God damn, that was a hard thing to build." <laughs> it was a little, I was in over my head. I can't just build spaceships for a living now. Like I, I when I finished it, I looked at my dad because my dad let me build it in his garage, and so he helped me with some of the stuff that one person couldn't lift or do. And um, I looked at him and I said, you know, I think I could do this once every 18 months. I could build one of these once every 18 months and then leave it at that. And already I've got like three people like, well, can we get a spaceship? I'm like, no, man, you cannot. You can wait wait 18 months. You can wait 18 months and I'll build another one. Because I want to, but I need two babies of time worth, two pregnancies worth of time before I'm ready to build another one. See, now now so, I want to wanna know if Dave made a maze in Dave made a maze. Like, I want to no, know. Probably. <laughs> they probably did. Fucking um, big cardboard maze. Cardboard box maze. That movie's awesome. Um, <laughs> it is. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm finishing that up like as we speak. Um, the sound mix That's just dope. finished. I'm mixing in the music. Like I'm turning it in on Sunday and going to the beach for a week. I've been Beautiful. working on this movie like every day for five months. And then after that, um, I'm doing another science fiction movie. And what's what's cool about Escape Pod was the goal was mystery and intrigue and suspense and twists and turns and really doing a lot with a little, you know, and all practical. Like we used fireworks, we used water, like there's a undercarriage of the ship that we filled with like two feet of water, um, you know. And so for this next movie, we get to go shoot in a cave and it's called Alien Hunt. And uh, it is about yeah. rednecks hunting. It's about rednecks hunting an alien. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, there, it's like this guy making alien human super soldiers inside this cave. The studio just came to me. They're like, we have a movie about rednecks hunting aliens. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I do. So <laughs> that one is going to be, you know, Bigfoot. Yeah, if and somebody Pod came to me, I think I'd say yes. Yeah, too. yeah. exactly. <laughs> So Bigfoot and Escape Pod were both very heady and very character-driven and very detail-oriented and very story and plot-driven. And so for Alien Hunt, I'm going to use it kind of as a technical exercise to 
kind of go big and make it something I want it. I want like, you know how I just always really admire how easy uh, a, a Hollywood studio movie goes down, you know, like you watch these movies and they're over. They just, they're, they're so polished and they're so smooth and they're very they're digestible. Tasty. Yeah. They're very digestible, but and not always in a bad way. Like you'll go see, you know, I don't know, like, let's say what's the last kind of, there's too many to count. Now I'm totally blanking. I don't know. Like Mario, Mario, <laughs> Mario. That's a great example. Mario, granted, Mario has not as much depth as I I like to do in my own movie, but they have that progress because it's Mario. Right. Um, right. But something that goes down easy like that, where you turn it on and you're like, "That's dope, that's dope, that's dope," and we're done. Wow, yeah. we're done. Yeah. On so, with our day. Then after that, I'm doing um, I'm doing two movies after that for the team that that financed Bigfoot. Very very possibly this could fall through. So hopefully, future Aaron doesn't watch this and go, "Oh, sad." But we're like ninety percent <laughs> sure gonna do uh, a charles bronson styled action movie like oh nice because the head of the studio and i are both like they don't make action movies like they used to make them Mm -hmm. they they used to be about grit and and about thrills and about story and about character and about grizzled men with no other option than to take a pipe to their enemies you know (laughs) You should, so uh, we want to do something like that, and then so you should read the book. The you should read the book uh, "Yellow" by Aaron Beauregard, friend of the show. Uh, okay. A great, um, it is splatterpunk, so it's um, ooh uh, extreme. Sure. <laughs> no, it's actually no, it's a couple hundred pages. Um, it's, it's it's so it has extreme subject matter. So check your trigger warnings beforehand because splatterpunk oh, uh, bull, bull, bulls no punches. Um, but uh, but it is a Charles. It's a little bit of a twist on that, but it's 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 it is also a work that was influenced by uh, the lack of Death Wish ish. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so. okay, dope. I'm definitely gonna check that yeah. out. I'm actually I'm go- I was going to the beach and I've been reading a bunch of very helpful but tiring nonfiction. So that yeah. that sounds like exactly what I need. I have a feeling you're um, gonna like splatterpunk a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Good, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Bo, and Aaron Beauregard. Uh, we just had him on the show. He's a he's a really great uh, writer. Super great. Yeah, yeah and, that's and awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely write. check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm doing that action movie, and then they've given we we're debating like we're both big fans of Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm, and yeah. right now we both feel like as fun as the horror comedy thing is, and as much as we like it, um, and as much as I want to make one in the future, there's not enough scary going on in the market sure. right now. Sure. So like we're we're trying to think like what would the most upsetting thing that we could come up with be, mm-hmm. you know, while still being sellable. Um, so we want to go full scary, which is something that I haven't tried to do in a long time. So nice. that's what's next. That'd be super fun. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh well, you think you can handle the Sinister Six? The Sinister Six. Hold on. What's the Sinister Six? Six <laughs> questions. <laughs> Opinion <laughs> questions. Oh, six of the six. <laughs> I'm like, are we talking Spider-Man? Are we talking... Oh, There's yeah. a Marvel thing called the Sinister Six. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, I can handle the Sinister Six. All right. And All they right. can be as long as you want. They can be as short as you want. Yeah. Okay, feel free and to you however, however you, you, however you want, want to answer. Yeah. yeah. Great. But okay. we judge very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. I love it. First one, Freddy or Jason? Oh my god! I just got into this argument with my girlfriend um, <laughs> because my girlfriend, uh, the, this is my girlfriend's decor, <laughs> so she's not exactly <laughs> a horror person. 
and she meets me and I'm, you know, I'm a happy guy. A lot of horror filmmakers are. Yeah. I think you kind of have to be, I think something is unplugged in my brain where I just, I don't know. You're just not as deeply impacted by the stuff and you can enjoy it. Or I don't know what it is, but we hit it off. She's not a horror movie person. And then she starts getting curious because she sees my movies and then she goes, well, maybe I want to see more movies like that. So then we watch X and we watch Pearl and, and she likes that. So then one day I'm watching Halloween. She, well, what's this? Oh, well, that's Michael Myers. Yada, yada. Oh, I've seen Michael Myers. Okay. Well, you know, this is good. That's kind of scary. I said, well, let me show you Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. I think you might like it. And um, she was like, that's stupid. Freddy's not scary. <laughs> and I was like, excuse you. First of all, zip it. Second of all, Freddy's not supposed to be scary. Like, he's supposed to be scary, but, like, he's also funny, and he's got one-liners, and, you know, you see him a lot. Um, and so that led us, of course, to Friday the 13th. And I'm like, okay, well, you got to watch parts one, two, and three to get a sense of who Jason is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you've got Mrs. Voorhees, then you've got Baghead Jason, and then you've got Hockey Mask Jason. Um, does Hockey Max Jason even show up in part three or is that part yeah, four? Yeah, it's three. It's three. He, yeah, he, gets the ma- three. he gets the mask in three. He gets the mask yeah. in three. Yeah. And uh, then four is like the, probably technically the best one. And then six yeah, is really yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eight is my favorite. X is uh, everybody, should be everybody's favorite. And yeah, uh, Freddy versus Jason great. is hotly debated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is especially eight, on the eight. Show. Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's my yeah. favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so anyway, that got us to talking, right? And she's like, "Well, Jason, first of all, Jason's really sinister, and as shown by the first movie, when she she's like, you don't exactly know who Jason is. It could be his mother. It could Jason could be anybody. <laughs> it's like Ghostface, except we always know who Ghostface is because she got into the screen movies. Um, she's like, but I, I like how you don't know who is Jason. And I'm like, well, we, we do know who Jason is. And she's like, yeah, but you know, it could be his mother. It could be this. And there's something doom, doom and gloom about Jason. And I think that's nice. But after lots of thinking and lots of discussion and revisiting Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I'm going to go with Freddy. Mm-hmm. I just, what balls to give a slasher villain, not only a voice, and a clear identity and a backstory, which I guess everybody gets, but they you know, there's a lot of retconning with things like Michael Myers' sure. backstory sure. and things like yeah. that. But like with Freddy, it's like, this is his personality. This is his voice. This is who plays him. And the actor that plays him looks like him because you can say, you know, it's it's all very clear. It's ballsy. It's fun. Sometimes he's funny. Sometimes he's scary. Um, so I'm going to give it to Freddy. You yeah. know, I think I think the thing that you could also tell her is like, yeah, there's a little bit more doom and gloom around Jason, but let's not fucking forget that as far as horror movie villains go, Freddy is arguably maybe the worst backstory because he was a child rapist and murderer. Like this is That's like right. you know what I mean? This wasn't <laughs> like like I mean like like he would he like he murdered children. Like he tortured, right, he died. Died. right? He's like the Albert Fish of slashers, where like Jason, True. Jason, arguably, <laughs> just a boy. <laughs> Jason was a tr- Jason was a troubled boy. Michael Myers was a troubled boy. Right, it's all kind yeah. of like a- ableist, kind of you know, in a weird sort of way. Like, I mean, like I mean, you know, where where Freddie, Freddie's just a really, really terrible person. He a was child so- rapist. You're right. Yeah, yeah. and and murderer. You know, yeah, I mean, and the, murderer, and the because in the original one he was, they just called him a murderer, um, but but he also in the second alluded, one in the in the reboot they give him the the, the, 
They give him just a simple molester. Don't you don't you dare mention that reboot on the show. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I only the Ridiculous. only reason I the, the only re- mention the only reason I mentioned the reboot though is because what's his name actually did a really good job and uh, yeah, yeah. Movie, yes he did. Not a, it's a, no disrespect to him and the work that he put in and I, I have to remember that sometimes right actor right character wrong place yeah, exactly yeah you know what I mean, you know what I mean? right because, actor because, right, no, the... right actor right character wrong CGI for his fucking face yeah. all right yeah, yeah. that was kind of Gross too. <laughs> yeah yeah um all right yeah no that's right. uh that's pretty good i i always picture I, I just think the mask is cool jason's <laughs> great man jason's he's great. a hulking like supernatural nothing like a dude with mommy point. issues yeah, you exactly. right, do know his backstory yeah. it's funny she kept going on about like well we don't know who he is I'm like yeah we do but she, she just she do. thinks that she but, but she there's that there... their teeth thinking that they're gonna turn it on you right she's like i feel like they could turn it on me at any moment and be like you know jason wasn't actually jason and i'd believe that i'm like i guess right. a weird there argument. is that crazy mystery of how he died as a child and then grew to a giant dead man <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean in some, I, I mean in some ways let's be real jason is right like those, uh, those, uh, those uh, camp counselors should have been paying attention to. They should have been, they should. particularly yeah, yeah. a special needs kid swimming in the lake. You know what I mean? So, in some ways, the vengeance is like maybe overdone. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like a Friday, Friday the Thirteenth really is just an extended hiring video for camp counselors, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> It's just them talking about impl- about camp counselor negligence. That's all, right. all it is. <laughs> all right, we're going to move <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, it's a PS thing. All right, yeah, number two. Next one. Uh, what's the difference between thriller and horror? Oh, okay. I have a simple answer for this. Um, seven. That's the difference. The movie Seven, that's mm-hmm. the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seven, Silence oh. of the Lambs. Like, that's the line. Yeah, if, sure. you, if you go any bloodier or gorier than that, it's horror- uh, thriller usually deals more with the police, right? And it usually yeah. has more mystery vibes. And there's rarely supernatural vibes. Horror is usually more gore, and it usually has elements of the fantastic, right, or of the improbable. But yeah. in the thriller, things are usually more grounded. Um, but yeah, Seven, Silence of the Lambs, sure. those movies sort of lay the line down for me. Totally. Zodiac, Nocturnal Animals. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's draw a good that line yeah. in the sand. So that's my like short, that. sweet answer to that one. Perfect. Uh, very clear. Um, what horror movie influenced your taste the most? Oh, my taste. My ta- okay, I'll, I'll do my taste as a viewer, right? My taste as a viewer. <sighs> such a cliche uh, answer, but probably Psycho. It was the first horror movie I ever saw. I was an anxious kid. I was a nervous, nervous kid. Um, I was four years old and they tried to put me on Xanax. Like I was freaking oh, out at everything. I swear to God. And uh, and uh, I was 13 and I wanted to start making movies. I had already been making movies, but I thought if I'm going to do this for a living, I need to watch everything, including the scary ones. And so I watched Psycho thinking it's impossible for a black and white movie to be scary. <laughs> Not only was it very scary, but I watched it and I was like, whatever that is, I want a lot more of that. And so any movie that can do what that movie did, combining violence and tension and twists and thr- they kill the main character in the middle just because they wanted to, you know, yeah. just whenever a movie can, and in a Bigfoot trap, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, what if 
the protagonist gets locked up in the Bigfoot trap, smack dab in the middle of the movie, and all of a sudden we change gears. I mean, that's just me trying to, you know, recreate that feeling I had watching Psycho. So I think Psycho, uh, as a viewer, um, and then there's a movie called The Baby by Ted Post that I saw um, that sort of furthers that. It's Hitchcockian, but it furthers the weirdness. And mm. I saw that and had the same reaction where I was like, not only do I want to see more of that, but I want to make more of that. So that probably influenced the most uh, of, uh, of my taste as, as a filmmaker. So Psycho and The Baby. That's awesome. Um, if you could erase one movie from existence, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be horror. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good one. If I could erase one movie from existence. Oh my God. Oh, wow. That's what popped in my head, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a random one. And it's not even for the people want to make it political. I just think it sucks. I think star Wars episode eight, the last Jedi sucks so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I would erase it from existence because then we could, we could have actually had a trilogy. You know, yeah. I was enjoying that. I saw Star Wars Episode Seven. I was like, fuck yeah. They're like, they just redid A New Hope. I'm like, yeah, but they're setting the stage for cool things. And and <laughs> and and then it just it just didn't work for me. And so when you said it, it erased, right? Because I'm always like, no, every movie should exist. But I always, I'm like, I want to <laughs> see the universe where that trilogy got to get finished out properly and we didn't end up with somehow Palpatine survived. Right. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Right. Sorry. So I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. That's yeah. pretty great. Um, yeah. Are ghosts <laughs> real? Okay. I'm going to tie this back into Bigfoot real quick. Are ghosts real? The, the unsatisfying answer is nobody knows. But what I love to say is pe- people talk about, do you believe in Bigfoot, right? Do you believe in Bigfoot? Do you believe in Bigfoot? I, I I usually get that question. And what's interesting about Bigfoot, and the same thing applies to ghosts, everything I'm about to say. With Bigfoot, all across the world, cultures individual of each other have legends of large bipedal apes throwing rocks, yelling in the middle of the night, knocking down trees, and leaving giant footprints. There's the Yeti, there's the Yowie, there's the Chupacabra, there's the Sasquatch, like all over, you know, primitive cultures all over the world have arrived on this in the same way that they've arrived on ghosts and in the same way that they've arrived on God, right? God Mm -hmm. is the same way. Religion is the same way. So I always say, if there is a God, there is a Sasquatch. And if there is a Sasquatch, there are ghosts. That's my answer. I love it. I like it. Perfect. It's a good answer. It's perfect. All right. Last one. Midsummer or hereditary? That is a great question. <laughs> great question. Uh, so first of all, I just saw Bo is Afraid and I actually loved it, which is rare. I normally don't like self-indulgent art movies that make no sense that are three hours. That's exactly what that movie is. That's yeah, exactly Jonas it said was. it was fucking great. Uh, I loved I'm excited it. I loved it. I love Aster, so yeah. I loved it. Well, here's, here's the kicker. I didn't love Hereditary, right? I didn't love Hereditary. It just took this, it just didn't come together and make sense for me. I'm thinking, where's this paganism stuff coming from? They're like, well, it makes sense if you understand paganism. I'm like, well, who off the cuff just understands paganism? (laughs) And they're like, no, but it it makes sense. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Uh, Tony Collette, 
and Alex Wolf and all the performances and the visuals are incredible. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I didn't care for it. Midsommar, I liked better. So that answers the question, right? Midsommar had some plot holes that left me unsatisfied. But I mean, come on, a sunny Swedish folk horror movie giving the people something that they wanted some cult didn't have enough of. you know <laughs> yeah. it's like well it's like wicker man right everyone loves wicker man and you know i look at wicker man and i'm like i want more of that and i appreciate midsommar being an attempt to give me more of that and in many ways giving me more of that and i think florence Pugh in that flower dress frowning is has become so iconic and i think it I think it is weirdly in the long run going to be considered more of a classic than hereditary as much of as earth shaking as hereditary was. I think that people gravitate toward Midsommar and here's something that's interesting. I think that a lot of young women really gravitate to Midsommar, which is not something particularly common, right? When you, you don't, you don't think of a like, Oh, women really love this horror movie, right? There's never really a movie that I could have answered that sure. with until Midsommar. And I think that's really cool that there's a horror movie that's speaking to so many young women. Because sure. I meet young women yeah. doing festivals or making movies or actresses or whatever. And they just something about that shakes them to their core. And yeah. I think that's really cool. So Bo is afraid is technically my answer. But Midsommar <laughs> oh, I like is, that. Is we might have my, to, as soon as I see that, we'll change it to a three way. Bo is afraid makes sense to me as a nervous person. The movie takes place in a reality where everything that you're anxious about actually happens and is right. warranted. And so as a person who's wrestled with that off and on and has had to fight that, it was so gratifying to see <laughs> it on screen. So I, I want to awesome. mention this. I want to mention this really quick because I wasn't yeah. going to mention it earlier because I didn't know if you'd seen the movie yet. But when you yeah. were talking about movies that are digestible and that like hit you and have that taste and they have that feel and everything. Yeah. Bo's Afraid is the polar fucking opposite of that. <laughs> like, yes, it really yeah. is. Like at the end it of the is. movie, you at the end of the movie, you're like, it took a while to choke down, but I think I loved it. Like <laughs> I think I loved it. I think what helps Bo is afraid go down is the same thing. It's like the light. So the lighthouse, right? I like the lighthouse. And something that makes the lighthouse go down easy are all the fart jokes. What's with all the fart <laughs> jokes in the lighthouse? Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but it makes it go down easier. Right. Bo is afraid is thankfully hilarious, right? There's a lot of, of fart jokes. hilarious. Yeah. Stuff. Full of its it. own version and of fart jokes. We'll call it that. Its own version of fart jokes. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Nothing like a good fart joke to make it good on easier. So yeah, yeah. And you know, and not anyway. only do not only does do women love Midsommar, but um, mm-hmm. but also like a like a category of that I'm in, which is um, which is like a rarely like spoken to uh, category which is i'm a big fan of throwing old people off cliffs so um, <laughs> um so it's uh, like it's uh it hits like it just hits that like you know what i mean it hits I, that it hits that vibe i'm actually yeah. a bigger hereditary fan just because i just think it's just more like classic horror and i think it's more dude like, some you know people I mean? just vibe with that yeah, movie. yeah and i you know and I'm, i was like I kind of met the ending where it was. People were a little harder on it than I thought. I thought, like, ah, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, it could be this or it could be that. Um, um, uh, people, a lot of people, like Jonas, um, don't like the ending I, of Hereditary. I hate but, the ending. But, but, um, <laughs> but I think that I think that but, I love it. But you know no. what I mean. But like, it's it's an independent horror movie, and people try. But it was, um, dude, you killed it, and like, I knew you would kill it on the um, yeah on the Sinister Six. Uh, clear, concise answers. You're uh, one of my favorites of all time. So thank you. I try, man. Thanks. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Sinister Six. I love no, that. Fuck yeah. Uh, um, and now we enter into a recommendation. Um, 
I, I hate it because I want to call it recommendation station, which is which is what they do on Anthony Jesselnick's podcast. So I don't, oh, okay. I don't want to rip off Anthony um, and all his brilliance, but um, I'm guy. fine with us not calling that because I don't like puns. So like, I don't like puns. I love I puns, so I'll think I don't like good ones. <laughs> I just call it recommendation time. The, uh, recommendation time. Like, recommendation time. I can't think of like anything better. Like, uh, like what about a, the Rex deck? Yeah, Graham, <laughs> what do you got? I got um this week. I got From Black, the new movie on Shutter. Oh yeah! Holy fuck! Um, I saw. Uh, I had never heard of it. I saw a trailer for it at uh, Joe Bob's uh, special last week or two weeks ago or something. I don't know. I got sick. That time is all fucked up. But um, <laughs> I saw this trailer and I was like, "Whoa, that looks amazing!" And then it was up uh, last weekend, and I watched it and. Oh, my God. It's about a, a woman who uh, loses her child, dies, and she wants she goes to a, like a, a support group and she wants she's real sad. She's got a sister who's a cop and the, she feels bad because she like didn't find the kid because the kid just went missing and like, no, they just assume it's dead and anything. So everybody's pretty bummed out. And she finds this dude who's like, hey, I can. I I'm like a little I'm like a single cult guy. I could just like help you out here. And the performances are fucking incredible. It's shot beautifully. It looks there's the actual monster. The creature is like you get a great close up. It's brutal. Like it's not brutal, but it's so fucking dark and 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 bright at the same time. I fucking loved it uh that is it, it's i this year's been really great i went from like cocaine bear to kids versus alien to beaten to death uh, and and then uh to this like as being just mind-blowing fucking movies um so yeah the, from black anna camp uh uh james ales i think his name is um he just started following us by the way on instagram uh and uh jennifer lafleur incredible performances oh uh, uh anna camp's an ex-heroin addict I, I don't know if i remember to say that it doesn't matter just fucking watch it it's on shutter it's fucking rad uh my other one is uh just uh bobcat goldthwaite oh, yeah. he just he just dropped an album called uh soldiers of christ soldiers in christ i think or soldier in christ um and then i, I found out he had a uh a record with Dana Gould last year. Oh yeah. Uh which was fucking great. I listened to both. They're fucking awesome. Bobcat is one of my favorite people. I've seen him live. I talked to him after a show. He ate a sandwich with me like at the bar. Uh <laughs> and told me all these Nirvana stories and he tells a bunch of the Nirvana stories now, but he didn't he doesn't tell one of the ones he told to me, so I'm never going to tell anybody again. Uh <laughs> anyway, uh and just that dude is fucking like if you just know Bobcat from like the 80s, like you missed out like on, on everything good about Bobcat. Like he's yeah, directed yeah, he's some great. of the greatest movies. His stand up isn't really jokes. It's just stories, which are kind of my favorite. Uh, yeah. and, and he's just wonderful. So Bobcat Goldway and, and from Black are my recs. Fuck yeah. Jonas, what do you got? Um, so for physical media, I'm going to recommend uh, The Love Witch. Oh, um, Blu-ray, a great movie, great because, movie. Yeah, you can get that um, over from Umbrella Entertainment. 
Um, the reason I'm recommending that, I've recommended it before, but I'm recommending it specifically for physical media because it's actually kind of hard to find. So you do have to go to Umbrella Entertainment to find it, to get it. Because um, I don't think there's actually a U.S. Blu-ray release of it. Um, that's technically, I it. Do you? Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't think there's a current uh, Blu-ray release of it in the U.S. Because that one. I got it a, right when it was released. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So this one's from Australia, but it's not like one of those ones where you have to pay like an arm and leg to get it. It's just, and it's a really good release. It's actually got the Viva short film attached to it as well. Um, nice. Which, which is really that's cool. cool too. Um, also physical media, um, 4k for species <laughs> species is a fucking fun, like movie anyway, but the 4k transfer is fucking great. Like I was shocked that it was as good as it was for a 4k transfer. Um, and species is a dope movie, body horror, you know, awesome cast, great direction. And it's like one of those movies that's definitely a B movie, but like a really like high caliber B movie. Um, yeah. so that's super fun. Um, for streaming, uh, I watched the Pope's Exorcist and I thought it was gonna suck and it didn't Is suck. That the at Russell all. Crow one, yeah, it like fucking was great. Um, to I went into that not expecting it to be, um, great, barely expecting it to be good, and like it's really good. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, and then music wise, um, I'm going to recommend, uh, Poppy because she keeps on dropping. Fuck yes. Yeah. She keeps on dropping new songs. She just dropped a new one, uh, like yeah, two days did. ago and she's doing what she does. She's changing up her sound again and it fucking rules just like it does every time. So yeah, go check out her new stuff. She's been dropping a new one about once every three weeks. So what's she yeah. doing now? Uh, what she doing now? Well, she's actually what she's doing is she's dropping her singles to um. No, no, like what genre? Oh, what she's doing um she's doing electronic, but she's not like so. Last time she was doing it kind of like metal. This time it's like electro pop, but she like had some Veruca Salt shit going on in between too. Yeah, yeah. This one, this one is like really like awesome distorted electro pop, like. Okay. It's really, it's really good. Um, I think I like that Veruca Salt stuff the best, actually. (laughs) Yeah, the most recent song is uh, is called Stagger. Spit. Oh, Stagger. Stagger. Well, yeah, actually, no, Spit. You're right. Is actually the most recent one. That one just dropped. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's great. It's um. Yeah, she's reinventing the wheel again. I'm a big fan of her. I can't echo. I yeah, I can't echo that enough. Yeah, man, you're you're it's onto your recommendations now. So if you're echoing that, well, that's actually no, my, it's mine. <laughs> um, first and foremost, um, I, I'm gonna re- recommend that hot, uh, um, hot ones. With the Daniel Kaluuya one, is that uh, up on like Hulu or? Um, yeah, it's on one of those. Sta- uh, it's one YouTube, of- okay, right? Yeah, yeah. YouTube. No, you can watch it on anything. I think, um, but. Oh. Um, I think no, I think it's on Hulu. Actually, I watched it on it. Um, um, they do it's, have on Hulu. Yeah, it's it's they have them all. So um, it's it's really good. Um, I, I I have always like just seen clips of Hot Ones. Um, I didn't There's realize some great episodes. I, re- I didn't realize, and, and Daniel Kolo keeps calling it, but he's really like Nardwuar. Like he comes in with like deep cuts, and that's yeah. kind of fun to watch people chase that. And uh, you know, I'm 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 a fan of of such things, and um, you know, like of what we you know we we want um, 
you know, to, to see people like in that position, it was cool to talk about them. And, and Daniel Kalua is of course great on it. Um, so check that out. Um, I'm going to check out my, my splatter punk book of the week is uh, nice. dead inside by uh, Chandler Morrison. Um, this is a little hard to find. It's, I think it's out of print right now. So, um, but you can get it in downloadable or I believe it's on audible too. Um, it is a story about um, now, mind you, it is like splatter punky splatter punk. It is it's the <laughs> real deal. It is about a, uh, um, a necrophiliac and a, um, um, a, woman who is a cannibal but she just eats babies and she's also a prenatal um doctor um so it is uh it is a real deal thing but it's also a character study and it's accessible if you are able to deal with um the brutal gore in it um it is uh um you know it's like splatterpunk because it's all real tongue-in-cheek but it's all you know all like so ridiculously over the top and it makes it just like old school horror comics kind of but again it is uh uh dead inside but chandler morrison I, uh, i strongly strongly suggested um i just finished i just got caught up with succession my advice is just don't do it just don't do it it makes you root for terrible people to do terrible things and like 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 none of the people in the show as a poor kid i don't find any value in these people or the choices they have to make it is seriously like the same choice the entire time who gets the company and and you will find yourself at times rooting for terrible rich awful human beings to do other terrible things to other people and um and i don't like the way that makes me feel so i'm gonna (laughs) keep watching it i'm gonna keep watching it and uh hopefully it pans out you know what i mean hopefully they all die in a in a fucking plane crash and that that would be the best way to end the show so um i'm going to i don't got any music this week i've just been um, i don't know anyways uh aaron what do you got I've got I've got two indie filmmakers and two bits of music. Um, Sweet. So for the indie filmmakers, I love like you know indie filmmakers. We're all a community, and uh, some of us you know make really good movies that don't get seen enough. And so I try to really pump those up. Sure. So there was please. a movie. There was a movie I saw at Panic Fest actually, and I met the filmmakers, and we hit it off. And they're just wonderful people who made a wonderful movie um, called Laced. And it is an old school sort of Hitchcock styled, not quite, not like a murder mystery, but a what do we do with the body kind of movie. Um, They're snowed in. They're trying to figure out what to do with the body. People are coming by. Does so-and-so suspect it? It's one of those constant twists and turns kind of movie that I don't want to ruin, but it's called Laced, um, L-A-C-E-D. They've got an Instagram page. And the second that you're able to check that movie out, I can't recommend it enough. Um, Awesome. It's on the festival circuit still, but it's in playing in a lot of the digital festivals uh, that are awesome. Like Graham was saying that they really are such a cool way to see new movies. So, Um, and then I'm also going to recommend movies by my friend, Charlie Steeds. He's an incredible horror filmmaker focuses primarily on horror and he focuses a lot on old school, right? He really tries to capture that sort of Fulci B movie vibe. Um, he's really intense about his visuals and, and I got, I've worked with him twice now as a producer, right? Cause he's a British filmmaker and he'll come to the States and I'll help him get those movies made just cause I like working with him. And, uh, I produced a movie of his called death ranch. I produced and was the cinematographer on a movie called death ranch. 
and it's on Tubi and it's a fucking crazy splatter movie that I was so happy to be a part of. And um, I love getting to promote whenever I get the right. chance. It is a, it is about this uh, guy in Tennessee. He's African-American and he's been wrongfully convicted of a crime. So he escapes from jail. The movie begins with him and his two siblings going to hide out at granddad's ranch. Little do they know that granddad's ranch is now the stomping ground for a cannibalistic offshoot of the KKK. And they're going to have to mow their way out (laughs) Mm -hmm. if they want to survive. And so it's like Evil Dead meets Get Out. And we shot it four years ago, and it's done really well on Tubi. Uh, It's still, if you go to the Black Cinema section, it'll usually show up. Like, it's done really well on there. Awesome. Um, So I produced and DP'd it. Charlie wrote and directed it, and we had an incredible cast. And um, So anything by Charlie, but I have a soft spot. I consider that movie my stepchild. I didn't direct it, but... I had a hell sure. of a lot of I'm gonna check work it put out. into it. Yeah, totally. So dope movie. Uh, for music, I'm gonna echo. Um, I'm gonna echo Jonas and say that that Poppy is doing some crazy shit. Like Poppy, the thing that I like so much about Poppy is it is such a unique embodiment of rage. It's such a unique embodiment of feminine rage. I feel like a lot of when you know there are some kick-ass female rockers out there, and I think sometimes they feel pressured to be badass in a quote unquote masculine way, whatever all these words mean, but you know, it's like I drink beer and don't give a shit. And that's great. Uh, But Poppy approaches it completely differently. And whenever I listen to Poppy, I'm like, I think she's hiding under my bed. Like that the whole Poppy (laughs) shit gives me, she's hiding under my bed vibes. Um, You can't go wrong with anything Poppy. If you're into really hardcore stuff, um, not really hardcore, but like, you know, heavier than metalcore, grindcore kind of thing. She has an EP called Eat uh, that is just shredding vocals and incredibly heavy heavy instrumental passages um her album i disagree is kind of an electric uh metal almost nine inch nailsy at times album her album flux is almost like a 90s post grunge sort of you know punk record she had a, a a record after that that was also very punk inspired that i can't remember the name of um and she's releasing singles again for a new project um just always pushing boundaries i love everything that poppy does from what you uh, said just and everything uh i implore you to check out the band blood command blood command you got it check yeah check out their videos check out their music i love think it. you would super dig them so i will definitely check out blood command um, and also shout out to Poppy because her past is uh, very much a secret, right? She likes people not knowing who she is. And I just yeah. learned one of the pieces of information that came out. Is she went to high school at my rival high school. Holy so, shit. <laughs> yeah. So she's a local. So shout out to people born and bred by Tennessee, I guess. But By the way, if you uh, ever then, get a chance to see her live, do it. It's an incredible show. Oh, my God. I, I had tickets to go see her, and then she had to cancel it. And then she felt bad and did two free shows here in Nashville. But the problem is they were free, so they were sold out immediately. Sure. So yeah. as soon as I'm able to, I'm going to see her. But, uh, yeah. And then my other musical recommendation, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily the kind of podcast that might like this kind of music, but I think this is horror people tend to be a group of people that appreciate old school stuff, sure. retro stuff, throwback stuff. And everybody claims that they listen to, quote, all kinds of music. So I'm going to give you something very unhardcore. I'm going to give you something sexy that's great to drive to uh, and great to just jam out to. It's Jesse Ware's new album, That Feels Good. And it's like a soul, disco, pop, funk fusion. It's a tight 10 tracks. 
everything makes you want to dance until your feet fall off. And uh, it's it's that kind of pop music that just goes hard. You listen to it, nice. and it's like, God damn, all these string passages and the horn passages. Awesome. It's just it's old school in all the right ways. I can't oh. recommend it enough. I was going to say that. just for, just for the record, my favorite band is Oasis. So um, so we <laughs> yeah. like we can all like it. You know what I mean? Everybody like, everybody likes different kinds of music. Yeah. Like, but everyone claims to, but yeah, not record. everyone actually does. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Oasis is a great band too. By the yeah, way, yeah. I also blast Miley Cyrus's most recent album, so people can <laughs> yeah. like you know, like it's dude. Her rock album place. was awesome. Plastic Hearts. Yeah. yeah, Paper Hearts. I think is what it was. Paper Hearts. Something like that. Yeah, one of the but two. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, she's great. It was it was a great album. Another Nashville native. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Fuck yeah. Uh, uh, well, thank you for uh, coming in. We really do appreciate it, man. Everybody, yeah, man, this was they... so much fun. I'm gonna echo what other people are saying. This is like in my top five favorite <laughs> awesome. podcasts to do. Like, oh, I had yeah. a blast. Well, we like to keep it real and like to be fun, and um, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's, horse uh, is supposed the, to be fun. Yeah, we're we're yes. uh, you know, yes. it's important to us. You know what I mean? And it's a, um, I can tell you, you know guys do I mean? a great job. Well, this is a wonderful, you. Well, thank wonderful you. show. And, yeah. uh, and thanks to everybody for tuning in. Let's see. Let's yeah. see our, our global, our global. I got to find analytics. Um, hold on. Oh, this was live. I'll run down the army of the goddamned as you look for that. All right. uh, we got Jason Daniels, Jake Jolly, Ron Canabla, Kristen Pearl, Manny Velasquez, Coleman Rosenberg. Drew Muldowney, Stephanie Gurley, Katie Wiking, Chris Fortune, Alan Graham, Bacon Bit the Cat, Angela, Jasmine Pettit, and a special shout out to Oliver Twist, a legend from Andy's Attic. Uh, rip it up in peace. Thank you so okay. much uh, yeah, for uh, for hitting our Patreon. Patreon people, uh, go uh, head us up. We have all the way down to a dollar, and uh, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, the more you do that, the better we can. United States, you're still in first place. United Kingdom at a at a, at a has has increased their lead. Um, uh, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. Now, Australia, you are falling behind. Just want to tell you that you are you are um, you Don't piss are, off the Australians. You know, I'm not. I love, you know, I love the Australians. I'm just saying <laughs> at this point now, New Zealand is way in the lead. <laughs> all right, like, and and I know that I know that you hate that. So all our Australian, <laughs> all our Australian, you do not want to let the Bogans win, right? You know, so we want to like, um, and I can say that because I'm pretty much a Bogan. Um, so um, <laughs> uh, like, so so just tell your friends and also New Zealand, stay ahead. Good job. Job, y'all um you make great movies and have uh some of our favorite fans and some of our great things on it you're also just fucking rad um good job new zealand for staying in there uh germany sweden turks and caicos islands uh mexico india netherlands france puerto rico taiwan and brazil um we love you all so much thank you so much the fact that y'all are listening to us makes it uh makes it the best thing in the entire world so we really appreciate it hey um if you're struggling out there please reach out to us on uh uh, social media we we're always down for a chat um it does happen so never feel weird um you know we all got to do this together and um we want to we want you know we need horror fans we're a community and uh and we mean that shit so um so stick around and uh and hit us up and take good care of yourself uh doctor you know get yourself checked up you know um and <laughs> until we see you again uh, could you please uh, go start some fires and break some glass thank you very much <laughs>